Welcome back to the Tent Heads Open Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Howell, and today we had on our first repeat guest. We had Brian Watts on, who was from episode two. He's a financial advisor, but today he was on because I found out that he is running for a school board post in uh, one of the largest school districts in the uh, state of Kansas. He's running for the third district for the Blue Valley Board of Education. He has a uh, primary election coming up on August 6th of this year. And I believe if you're in that uh, district, you can vote up to two weeks ahead of time. So get out there and vote. Brian's an awesome guy. Uh, I'm not sure if we talked about this on the on the last podcast, but um, he's got two wonderful kids, a beautiful wife, and is just an absolute um, – he, he's just a very, very good, very intelligent individual who's driven to make things better. And I think that is going to come out on this podcast. We're going a little policy on this, but not too crazy. Really what I wanted to do with this podcast was just introduce you to him. I know that we had a, a different discussion before, but this definitely kind of shows his ideas about – what he's looking to do, uh, and honestly, what he's looking to not do as well. It's a very well-run school district. They have an incumbent stepping down, and I think he'd be a great guy to uh, step in that person's place. So hope you guys enjoy. Adjust it. All right. Start talking real quick, sir, so I can measure. Okay. Yeah. Can you hear that? All right. Yep. You're good. Okay. Right, good. Cool. All right. So Brian Watts, episode ten. We I made it to double digits, which is awesome. Uh, just a little worried about that in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but um, rather than me butchering the uh, what you're what you're running for, why don't you go ahead and say it? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, first off, thanks for having me. I Definitely. appreciate it. I yeah. appreciate the opportunity to talk about this because uh, I think it's really important. Um, but I am running for the Blue Valley Board of Education. I'm s- most specifically uh, running for um, District 3, which is the southern part of the district. And I have found myself in a primary election. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, trying to get the word out yep. about what's going on. When is the primary election? So the primary election is August 6th. Okay. Um, you can start early voting two weeks before. So what does that make that? the Around the 15th, I guess, okay. of this month. So Gotcha. Not too far into the future. Yeah. Um, you can vote by uh, mail and ballot, or you can start going to the polls early. Gotcha. So what's the, what is the kind of the defining role of the position that you're running for? What's, what's, what are they doing on a day-to-day basis? What are they doing on a month-to-month basis? Yeah, so the, the Board of Education, essentially their primary role is to um, hire and supervise the superintendent of schools. Uh, you know, but it, it definitely goes beyond that. There's a lot of things the school uh, board does not do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the school board does not call off school for snow days. I think that's <laughs> a big misconception. Uh, so, uh, but that's our primary role. Um, and they're also there to write policy mm-hmm. to essentially make the best educational opportunity for kids in the district. Gotcha. Um, you know, and lastly, you know, the job of the school board is to communicate and be the liaison between the superintendent and public yeah to make sure that they're well informed as to what's going on in the schools gotcha. but i mean ultimately i mean it's it's a job that is centered around providing what's best for students gotcha and so blue valley school is school district is the largest in the state of kansas right uh, i believe so they're definitely uh, it's sort of the the prize of kansas i guess if you will they've they've historically been uh they've done a very good job academically and just coming up with you know interesting ideas that are very forward thinking with mm-hmm. regard to education gotcha. um, and they've been 
one that other schools around the the country have looked to uh, for ideas, yeah. um, which is exciting. And so now are you running against an incumbent or is it something where somebody has decided to step down or they've run out of terms? What's the case there? Yeah, so um, I am not <coughs> running against an incumbent. Um, I'm actually taking, I, I'm actually running for the spot that is currently held by the president of the board, which is uh, Cindy Bowling. Okay. Um, she has decided not to run. Uh, so there are just three other individuals that have stepped up and are trying to serve. Gotcha, gotcha. And what uh, what was the reason that you decided to step up into this? You know, it it stems back actually quite a ways. Um, I was asked. <laughs> he, he dropped his mic. It's okay. <laughs> it just fell right out of there. It didn't want to listen anymore. Uh, I, I was asked to run uh, 12 years ago, actually. And, you know, with the age of my kids at the time, it just wasn't a good time. Yeah. Um, not that I didn't think I could make a difference, but it just it wasn't something I could devote fully to. Yeah. Um, well, 12 years ago, you were also like you were starting like kind of starting a new career. You had new kids. Yeah. Like that's that, that's a busy time. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of things going on. The kids were, <clears throat> you know, very young mm -hmm. uh, at the time. They weren't even in school yet. Um, and then it kind of came to a place where it was almost a bit selfish at the beginning where I thought, you know, I just I want to do something to make the best opportunity for my kids. Yeah. It's grown so significantly since then. You know, I, I kind of feel like. If I have the ability to serve, it's almost like I, you know, I have 20,000 kids now. Yeah. And um, I, I just, I I see some things that are going on in the district, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Yep. That <laughs> um, could, you know, change the integrity of the school. Mm -hmm. And I, I really don't think change for the better. So I, I want to make sure that I can get in and help gotcha. uh, maintain what the district has done really well for a number of years. Uh, not to say that things won't change along the way, but uh, yeah. I, I want to ensure that that continues. Yeah. Well, and that's that's amazing that you're running because that's not not a position that I personally envy. School board seems like one of those things that you know, like to me when I say you know when you say that th it's like I have twenty thousand kids that terrifies me because I have <laughs> two and you add a couple of zeros to that and I'm scared. Um, so that's awesome that you're running. But um, when so when I think. When the general public looks at an election, the first thing that comes into their mind is the presidential election. So that's what they're mm -hmm. always going to turn to. Now, I know that school board is a very, very different thing than going into, you know, uh, elected office in the sense of like Congress or, you know, or uh, state senators or, uh, or the president. But that's just always what they're going to attribute it to. So I think the, the one question that I have as far as your your campaign or your campaign strategy at this point is when you talk about a presidential election, most of the time there's like three things. It's like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And whether you like them or you don't like them, you always know where the candidate stands on that, and that's what they try to push that kind of pinhole into um, into what their strategy is or what their ideas are going forward. Do you have three things? Do you have 20 things? I've always heard three is the best way to go, so yeah. you'll probably make it like you know two and a half. But <laughs> <laughs> three, I think three is the best way to go, and I heard somewhere that you're not supposed to say number one is, number two is, number three is, because you'll never remember what number three is Fair for enough. whatever reason. <laughs> uh, but no, absolutely. So, and, and I've sort of touched on it already. The, num the number one thing for me is I, I really don't want to come in and make a bunch of radical changes. I want to ensure that the school district remains um, with the rich history that it's had in the yeah. past. I want to ensure that that continues. Um, we actually have a new superintendent that will be coming on, and... Mm -hmm that always creates a little bit of a different environment. I want to ensure that there's a great environment there that allows for the school board and the um, superintendent to 
work well together. Right. That doesn't mean that I have to agree with absolutely everything that goes on. I just I want to make sure that there's uh, an environment that's fostered there mm-hmm. uh, for things to move forward. Um, and, you know, lastly, but probably most important, is I want to ensure that the district ca- uh, remains good steward of the taxpayer's dollar. Yeah. Um, and that's where I have some fears. You know, I, I want to... I just want to make sure that we're spending the taxpayer's dollar properly. Yeah. Um, Is there a certain area where you're seeing, seeing an issue with that? There's, there's just sort of talk around the campfire, essentially that there's some thoughts of overspending, if you will. Uh, You know, and uh, we have to live within a budget ourselves. You and I have to do the same thing. I mean, (laughs) yeah, as a financial advisor, that's (laughs) something you talk about often. Right. You just, you need to make sure that, that you spend within your means and the district has you know a, a lot of fantastic facilities there are some things that we probably need to improve upon but you know we don't need to tear down great facilities just to build something shiny and new yeah well that makes sense and i mean the, the it's it's always easier and i can't remember where what it was that i saw that they made a great point it was probably john oliver on last week tonight because i love that show and i watch it all the time but I remember he was talking, I think it was the infrastructure show where he was talking about the fact that when you when you maintain something or when you simply renovate something, you don't really ever get a ribbon cutting ceremony. But if you knock it down and rebuild something that's shiny and new, you get to do a ribbon cutting ceremony. And there's nothing the politicians like more than that, even though just keeping the same thing could work just as well or adding on or resurfacing whatever it might be. I mean, I saw that at my high school. I mean, I went to Ray Peck. They just added a huge wing onto the high school. It looks nothing like what it did when I went, or if it does, it looks like my school and then the better part. But I think you can add on stuff like that. So your kind of main mission is, and I know you said it before, but your main mission is let's make sure that whatever the money we're spending goes to help the kids, not extra money just so that we can show off. Is that the idea? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. Uh, so, and, and I, that is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I actually spent uh, a large number of months. I, I filed back in January okay. for election, and I spent the first few months just uh, touring any school that would allow me in. And uh, the principals of the district were fantastic to allow me to do that. Yep. Uh, but it gave me a really good perspective as to, uh, you know, each school has a different struggle. Mm-hmm. And whether that be with the actual infrastructure itself or it be with um, that they need uh, some certain uh, specialty area that maybe they don't have enough of, it, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Everybody is dealing with their own thing. Yeah. And uh, some of the schools that I sort of thought might tell me, it, you know, we really need a new facility. They have said, you know, we've, we really are very appreciative of the spaces that we have. This is an old building, but they built old buildings to have larger spaces than maybe they do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we, we don't want anything different than that. We, we really appreciate what we have because we're able to utilize these certain spaces in different ways. Um, but that gave me a good perspective as to maybe what the needs are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also sort of would shine some light on, I, I guess, maybe the fourth thing that yep. I didn't talk about. I know you're just stuck <laughs> three. Well, I set you up for failure on that one. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, three really is, uh, three is the attention span, essentially. Yeah. But, you know, the fourth piece of it would be that, um, you know, districts go through something from time to time where there's sort of splintering of the district. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there becomes the desirable area of the district and the less desirable area of the district. And that's mm-hmm. a fear that some of the principals have out there. Gotcha. And that's going to take a lot of oversight over the next 10 years to yep. ensure that we're not doing. And, and I wouldn't have had that perspective had I not. Well, that does make a lot of sense. How do you, I mean, 
you know, you're two separate pieces, but at the same time, you're kind of, you're taking, you're, you're also representing, you know, wherever your area touches, you know, Overland Park, you're also representing the city of Overland Park. How does the school board work with the other elected officials? How does the school board work with the municipality that is Overland Park? You know, it's a really good question. Uh, I mean, everything sort of intertwines, you know, everything. And I mean, it's the same thing with the work that you do with with the uh, individuals in Topeka. It all sort of, everybody sort of has to work collectively in a way. Yeah. well, and let me, if I can just interrupt you for one second, because let yeah. me tell you kind of where I was coming from with that. The idea being that if you're worried about some of the areas being splintered, mm-hmm. if you're worried about some of the areas being less desirable, a lot of times within a city, that means that one area is, quote unquote, the nicer area of town. And the other area is either the, you know, the whether it's the older area of town or whether it's the, you know, the area where the cheaper houses are, where people are trying to bring kids in where they couldn't necessarily afford the other but they still want to be in your school district. So to me, when I think about that, I think about like, you know, you're working with a lot of different government bodies. Obviously you're working with a state. I'm sure that's a huge um, commonality, but when you're looking at um, working with your city as a whole, that seems like it's not just the school district. That's like, okay, this is city planning too. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we, I don't want to say fix the problem because I don't think there's a problem yet, but how no. do we kind of, hold off this issue how do we make sure that this doesn't happen yeah and i think this is what you're asking and that's what i was sort of getting to is that great schools provide great property value yeah uh, which provide opportunity for building so uh, there's wherein lies you know everybody has sort of the same end goal it's just coming at it a different way yeah um and I mean, how do you fix the problem? I, I, you know, I don't know if I know the answer to that. I don't know if anybody knows the answer to mm-hmm. that. And I don't know, like I said, I, like you had said, I don't think there is a problem necessarily, but it, it could eventually happen at some point to where um, everybody just continues to move south yeah, to try to stay where the money is, essentially. Right. Um, I think what you do, though, is you provide a fantastic product, mm-hmm. which provides great property value because people want to be there. Yeah. You know, supply and demand, obviously, mm-hmm. um, it, which I'm, I'm sure the mayor loves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because it provides other opportunities for business owners to come in and, and the like. Yeah. So ultimately everybody really has the same goal where they do need to work together. But as far as how do you maintain that, I think that's something you just have to be vigilant of. Gotcha. And when you, when I think of Overland Park, especially in Kansas City, I think of just the massive, and again, this is from financial advisor, real estate, and everything else that I've done. I just think of the massive amount of residential build-out. And I mean, commercial as well, but just the massive amount of residential build-out that's been going on for years. I mean, when the recession hit, that area suffered. It didn't suffer like everywhere else did. Some of the builders went out. But as far as people wanting to be in the area, as far as people wanting to be in this school district that you're running for uh, for elected office in, people kept coming to Overland Park Mm -hmm. of all the areas of the city it was Overland Park that saw the most growth and when you go out there you can see that there's just commercial investment because of that and I remember growing up I mean like I said I grew up in Raymore so like north to me was you know 135th street (laughs) (laughs) I was way south but you know my buddy and I would go over there all the time because that was like the closest really nice area that we could get to and it didn't take too long and um I remember all of the build-out coming in and coming in, but it stopped at 135th. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of areas where it goes south, but most of that was, you know, what is it, 69 Highway that runs through there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, on, on you know, the closer to the state line, there was nothing. 
Now, that development was going absolutely insane, and that started in 2010, 2011, and you've just seen continuous build-out. As somebody who's going to be elected to sit on a board where you're going to be making decisions about everything with regard to the school district, when you see that kind of build-out, one, that has to be exciting because you know that your city is growing and you know that that's just going to be you know, more kids that you can help with this great school district that you have, but that also means future planning. And how, um, I don't want to say how prepared are you to deal with that, because that just, it's, you know, you eventually you get elected to that position, and as long as you have everything straight, I'm sure you're going to do well. There's no question there in my mind. But when you see that amount of expansion, and that was during, you know, a recession and the aftershock of, you know there are going to be some big decisions to make coming up, and especially with your talk, you know, you talking about being, you know, kind of, I guess you'd call it fiscally conservative with the dollar and making sure that the students receive as much value for it. If you start getting an influx of more and more and more students, how has the school district dealt with that? And what do you think, you know, what are some things that you're going to try to kind of push or look at? Yeah, that area you're talking about on 69, it, it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, I remember um, back in probably like the very late 90s, early 2000s, how mm -hmm. 69 Highway running through 151st Street and 135th Street, yeah, there was nothing there, essentially. Uh, the only way you could tell the difference between the two is one had a gas station and the other one didn't. Mm -hmm. I think one had a gas station on both sides of the street and the other one had one. Yep. And it has grown significantly since then. But, I mean, keeping up with growth, whether it be through actual construction or otherwise, is not something new to the district. Right. Uh, if there's anything about Overland Park is it just keeps annexing into other cities. Yeah. And I'm sure that <laughs> other cities don't like that. But, uh, I mean, there's no distinction anymore between Overland Park and Stanley. I mean, Stanley, I think, is technically part of Overland yeah, Park Yeah, I think they, in they a way. started calling it South Overland Park, actually. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure that Stillwell <laughs> will be the same at some point. Um, yeah. I mean, there's definitely that whole area of Morse Village that kind of was on its own and essentially has been annexed into the district. Uh, it, the city just continues to grow. In all gonna, directions. They're just going to start calling Kansas Overland Park maybe, at some point. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just over, overtake Leewood, overtake Blue Valley School District will be the entire state of Kansas <laughs> at some point. Um, well, so far, I think that might be a good idea, man. Yeah. You guys are doing very well. It sounds like you're going to continue that, but yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> the board itself has, has always done a good job in the past as well as just being very forward-thinking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just assume that that will continue. Yeah. Uh, because growth is going to happen, like I said, whether it's through – actual physical construction and i mean you're going to see that ebb and flow yeah um or whether it's just through <laughs> hey we're just taking over yeah. we're just gonna <laughs> this is this is now our land yeah uh, you know we were talking about hamilton before it's, it's yeah. like that going on just in overland park yeah exactly um, <laughs> but no i mean i you just have to always uh, be thinking forward and i mean I, my that's how my brain is wired anyway i'm already talking about the fact that uh, you know, you want to make sure that the district doesn't splinter. Well, it's not splintering right now. Right, but you want to think about it. You want to make just, sure that you're... You just always want to make sure that you are mindful of these things that are going to probably come up. I mean, sooner yeah. rather than later. Well, speaking of coming, I mean, think, come on, man. Drop it's just water. Stuff. Yeah, those <laughs> those are very nice uh, Game of Thrones coasters. They're not exactly the best at, uh, let's say, <laughs> absorbing anything. But I keep them around because Game of Thrones. The, they are very cool. Exactly. So when you're talking about, um, you know, kind of, Forward thinking, you're talking about the city, you're talking about expansion. You know, one thing, you've said that you were in the schools, mm -hmm. but 
as far as like talking to principals, I'm sure that is a very different conversation or talking to other, you know, um, board members. That's a different conversation than talking to the people that are actually on the ground, not just the kids, but also, you know, most especially their parents, mm -hmm. because they're the ones that are making all the financial decisions. Those, those are the people that ended up buying into the district a lot of times for that district. Yeah. So when you're talking to them, what are some of the because I and maybe I'm I'm just I'm naive enough to think that most people are like me and they wouldn't necessarily think these things, but I don't think I would probably look at this situation and say like, well, obviously I need to make sure that the money is going here, here and here because I've been looking at the school district's budget for the last 10 years and I'm not really comfortable in the direction it's going. And I'm not saying you're saying that, but the average voter is not going to look at those things is my assumption. No. What do they come up to you and say? Like, what is the question when they say, okay, I'm thinking about voting for you, but I need an answer to this. You know, it's interesting that you say that because um, I don't know that there really is a very strong opinion one way or the other. Yeah. The district itself is not on fire. Right. You know, on the outside. The district is run well. The mm -hmm. schools are run well. Yeah. Um, and there's a good product, essentially, that's turned out from them. Um, so the idea that uh, the biggest thing I'm actually going to face is getting people to come out and vote. And yeah. that's where I hope everybody <coughs> listening will, will help me in that yeah. sense. But, you know. August 6th, primary. Voter turnout <laughs> in this type of election is, I, I believe that I had read, I know for the district as a whole, there's 91,000 voters. Um, for the South District, I believe that number is somewhere in the 40,000 range. Okay. Um, voter turnout for this type of election is historically incredibly low, mm. somewhere in like the three to 400 votes range. So every vote counts. You know, uh, that's why this election is different than most. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's tough when you live in Kansas like I do to feel like your vote really counts towards, mm -hmm. you know, a presidential election because. Because for the most part, it's decided. For the most part, it's decided for yep. the Electoral College. And I mean, it's uh, I don't know if Kansas has ever voted blue. I don't. Do I'm not know? sure. No, yeah, I don't. I don't know either. It, it hasn't, at least in my recent yeah. <laughs> recollection. Uh, so the biggest issue I'm going to have is people actually coming out to vote. And they don't have a huge reason necessarily to vote other than the fact that if they don't, it's going to be decided for them by the few that do. You know, the, yeah. the incumbent is not going to take the seat back over again. Right. So there is going to be a change. Um, but, uh, you know, and I started going on a tangent. I don't remember what your question was. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it, it was so good. I just no. I, I get that's the that's the one thing that is. Well, it's tough really on these kind of me. Yeah. Well, it's tough on these this kind of conversation because I mean, this the whole point of the podcast is to have a long form conversation, so the things kind of naturally come out. I yeah. Mean, you know, you kind of organically have a conversation. You, you have a conversation of mind that you're going to have, and then things kind of organically just pull out from there. And I think that that's a positive thing, yeah. um, especially in something like this where people are trying to figure out exactly who you are and what to vote for. But I mean, so if oh, that's what if, you asked, yeah. Yeah. So if. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. That, you know, my question had to do with um, you know, what are parents coming up to you and saying? And, I, oh, yeah. and the and the idea that the district isn't on fire, I hundred percent understand that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those like you want to come out and just say like, don't expect anything different. Well, and, and I d and I actually do have a thought on that now that you say that. And uh, this is where I was going, but I got mm -hmm. on my little tangent about voter turnout, <laughs> which I mean, which is a real piece. Yeah. Well, and anybody listening to this podcast is like, oh, you went on a tangent. Have you listened to the guy <laughs> you're sitting across from? I've listened to this podcast. I understand. Exactly. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because what it seems the trend would be is that people are relatively happy until they're children hit high school mm -hmm. and that's when you know if you really think about 
what you were going through at that point in life, you were going through a lot of changes. Yeah. And some of those changes were you're becoming your own person and you weren't necessarily involving your parents as much as at that point. Right. So I think that parents sometimes get blindsided with things that are going on in the school at that point. Um, the school district has a big issue with, um, with vaping, you know, the vape oh, yeah. pens, yep. va- electric cigarettes or whatever. And that's been the biggest concern. You know, uh, the district has really been on top of it, but what are we going to continue to do to make sure that, you know, we're, we're sort of nipping this thing in the butt, if you will. Yeah. And right now the district is kind of subject to whatever the law is, which it's not a very expensive fine. If you're caught with a vape pen and you're too young, it's like 25 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that is, uh, that's been the biggest concern that, and, um, you know, education has changed a lot since you and I went through it. Not, I, I don't mm. know, maybe I, since I went through it, you're a little bit younger than I am. <laughs> maybe you experienced this, but I certainly didn't. And education is not something that really happens to the student as much anymore. Hmm. You know, you don't just come in and sit down and, and you're sort of talked at by the instructor and then you're said, here's the test, take it. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've learned a lot since I went to school about the development of a human. And, you know, there are a lot of mental health challenges that we all face. No one necessarily knows what's going on behind closed doors at everyone's house. And yeah. e- education has done a lot to try to, you know, uh, there's a fine line a, a between just straight education and the development of a human, essentially, at this yeah. point. Um, and that's been the other thing that parents have talked about. You know, they feel like that there are they're good counselors in the school, but we just need more. Yeah. Um, they've there's a great partnership with Children's Mercy Hospital to provide mental health support, mm-hmm. and it's essentially shared amongst a lot of schools. And a lot of parents have said, you know, we really just this is a fantastic tool. We need more of it. Yeah. Uh, and that takes money, obviously. So we have mm-hmm. to figure out how to do that. But that's really been the main discussion, as far as you know. My kids are in elementary school and middle school, and I mean, you have younger kids as well, and you kind of know that you're doing what you can to get through the day. Yeah. Um, I think for the most part, at least, you know, and I'd love to hear differently if this is not the case, but from my conversations with families, they're relatively happy mm-hmm. uh, with the district. And at that age, um, you know, you're, you're really sort of preparing yourself for that next step. And they've been happy with that, so there really hasn't been anything that they would like to see change. Yeah. Um, uh, that's why I like to stress that, you know, I really, I'm not interested in radical change at the beginning. That doesn't mean that there won't be things that will come up that will need looked at. Right. Um, but I, I don't have this platform of massive change. It's let's make sure and maintain and uh, things can always be run better. Yeah. I um, I think a lot of this, especially in something like this word, again, everything's thus far good maybe there are a couple of challenges but for the most part it's just about continuing to make sure that the school district is that you know that five-star place that everybody wants to be or where everybody wants to be um when you when you mentioned high school and this is you know an unfortunate thing that i think is kind of um hit probably hit this generation as much as anything but i remember when i was in school i was young when it happened but um you know when when columbine happened game changed and um, I'm sure that the school district has um, has things that they have done and kind of rules that they've put in, just like every other school has. But is that something that has been addressed 
at length with the school district? Is that something that you have really kind of taken a look at? And I ask that just because it's not something that I think most of the time it's on the top of somebody's mind. Like, well, let's talk to the school board member about this right now when it hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. But it does seem to have been, you know, nationally reported that it, it it's it's either on the rise or we're hearing about it a lot more. The events are getting worse. And so, like I said, when I, when Columbine happened, I remember that that just kind of changed everything. Schools were on lockdown. And then, of course, like 9-11 wasn't an attack on a school, but it definitely had its own repercussions there as well. Um, but it seems like, you know, with Sandy Hook, with Parkland, with all of these things that have kind of happened in the last few years, that's got to be something that's been talked about. Is that what what are you, what are you hearing? What's your experience? How do you feel about it? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, safety and security is paramount yeah. uh, for both students and faculty. Mm hmm. Um, and I was first introduced to that back when I was originally asked to run. Uh, you know, it's been probably 10 years since this happened, but I actually sat on a bond task force committee mm -hmm. um, where the district was looking at a raise essentially to do a lot of things. And part of that was, you know, how do we make the schools more secure? Yeah. Um, uh, this was actually in a different district. This was when I lived in Olathe still. Yeah. Um, but a lot of things went into play there where, you know, how do you how do you make the entrance to schools more safe? How do you make it to where it's essentially a double door system to get in? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what do you do? And I know even in our own district um, as of last year and I, I was a parent getting to experience this, but um, that security level went up a step even. Yeah. And, you know, all schools essentially were uh, equipped with a camera at the front with a door, kind of like a ring doorbell type thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you had to show an ID. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know the first time that I went into the school, didn't realize I had to have the ID. So, you know, I had to traipse back out yep. to the car and Walk everything. But, all I, the but, way I, back. Yeah, but I get <laughs> it, you know, I, I, yeah. I, and I, I think that's important. You know, I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that that will continue to evolve as time goes on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ultimately, the entrance to schools now is you you have to come in. You ha you're forced to go through the office. There's no way for you to just get straight into the school, which that seems you know, like a positive is, thing is very important. Yeah. But, I mean, I even think that when I went to school, anybody could have walked in. But oh, yeah. You know, we didn't really seem to have the epidemic that is going on now that, yeah. you know, you you unfortunately hear about the tragedies way too often. Right. Well, the and I think that, you know, the secure entrances, I think, you know, I'm sure there are just a, a lot of other features that go along with that. Um, and then, you know, you guys ha kind of taking it by the horns and actually having a partnership with Children's Mercy to have counselors in there. I mean, I think that that's a big thing. Like you said, it's you're going through a lot of changes. Everybody looks back at their high school years, I think, you know, with rose-colored glasses and says, oh, well, it was so wonderful back then and back in the day and da-da-da-da-da. Like, and when you really look back, it's like you had assignments. You, If you had a part-time job, you were working that. You know, I, I was lucky enough where I had to work during the summer, but I didn't during the school year. But during the school year, I was at, you know, I was – there at whatever time I was supposed to be at you know mm -hmm. six thirty seven o'clock, and then by the time school was over, it's like well it's not over because now you're in a play and you're there for another three to five hours. So I mean it's it's an intense schedule, and then on top of that homework, on top of that hormones and everything else, I think it's a positive thing that you guys have done that, and I'm glad to hear that you're continuing that. Yeah, I mean I think the pressures on students, I think it's significantly higher than it would have been when you know we went to school, and mm -hmm. I mean and I'm not gonna say that it wasn't high yeah there's always been peer pressure uh, it was know. high for me it's probably easy for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure that it was 
but I mean, you know, you sort of look at uh, even the opportunities that students have yeah. today's the uh, today's today's today, <laughs> both of them <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Monday and Tuesday yeah. that we didn't have back then. You know, I, the opportunity for sports and you know, we were talking about your being in a play. I mean, my yeah. kids are very involved in the arts and. Uh, the opportunity to participate at a much earlier age is there, but I, I think that does provide a lot more pressure on, mm-hmm. you know, kids to 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 know what they want to do at such an earlier age because they're going to be behind. Yeah. You know, on top of that, you add the pressures of social media, and I know you've talked about this in the last couple podcasts. Yeah. But um, you know, if you're being bullied at school, you can't get away from it. It's yep. always there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go home and it's still there. Yeah. Uh, home is no longer that safe place. Uh, and I mean, I think that's part of the reason why um you know having people to talk to yeah. or having uh you know professionals in the schools that can maybe identify what's going on in a student's life and intervene and help yeah um, is so important mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it's it's tough to be a kid yeah and i and i very i feel kind of weird using the term kid I, I i actually had a conversation with somebody about this the other day and i tend to use student more often because i feel like not only do kids have the opportunity to do a lot more, but I think we're also realizing the potential of younger people now that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, you can't get away anymore with the other oh, just kids. They don't have any ability. Yeah. Uh, that's not the case. Um, and, and my son <laughs> has, if young man syndrome is a real thing, he has <laughs> it. He does not like to be treated like he's young at all. So yeah. I, 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 I call him student, I guess, more than kid. So <laughs> that's, I'm not trying to be uppity. That's uh, that's just the term yeah. that I use, and it's his fault. Yeah. Well, did I ever tell you that I got to, like, I had, I was probably, like, first-generation cyberbullied when I was in no. high school? No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah. you would have had that opportunity, and I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I discovered what the internet was, like, my sophomore, junior year of college. Yeah, so there was this, um, there was this, uh, God, I don't know what you'd call it, like, kind of online blogging platform called Zanga. Okay. Do you remember that? No, I've never even heard of that. It was X-A-N-G-A. <laughs> of, is it like Jenga? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, it was X-A-N-G-A. Well, that's Jenga, isn't it? Yeah, and a, a few kids had them. I don't think many did. It was just kind of one of those things that you'd go on and, you know, it was just a – it was kind of like an online diary or online journal. But, and it's, but it wasn't like a Facebook or No, it wasn't like a Facebook. You pretty much just had, like, your page. Okay. And uh, you didn't have, like, a friends list. You couldn't message back and forth. You had your page, and you could write stuff. And, like, I think my, my girlfriend in high school at the time had one, so – of course, like I was like, I need to have what she has, and so I <laughs> got on it too. And um, there was a kid. Um, I won't get into the details of what occurred, but there was a kid who did not like the fact that um, uh, I can't remember if it was like a girl that he was dating liked me or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was you know just a dumb high schooler thing. But um, but he, I got on there at one point. And I don't know even know how I found it. Um, I think maybe they liked one of my posts just to show that they'd created this page, but they, I, uh, I had a friend that called me Xander. That was just like her name for me was Xander. And, um, so I, uh, saw that this page had liked, and I was like, what? It's like, it says Xander is gay. Like, what the hell? So I go onto this page and there were posts from like the previous month saying horrific things about me and I mean I'm talking about like stuff that at the time in high school I was just like I was pu- like if I saw it now I'd be like ah whatever but it was just like I was very put off by some of the things they were saying that I did or that I do or that I was like you know just imagine the worst names you can call somebody and that was pretty much it and what I could do and where I could insert it and that kind of thing 
and uh, I'm getting like my my uh, blood pressure is going up now talking about it because it made me so mad. <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> that I'm bringing the anxiety out on you. No, no, no. But it's I mean, I'm just trying to give a, a, yeah. a story because it's you know I I lived it, but um, yeah. but I you know I just kind of tried to hold it off forever, but then they just started getting really like kind of like here's what we're gonna do to you kind of thing. And at the time, they knew I was reading it, and uh, I had a couple of people that, you know, they I knew who it was. Mm-hmm. And um, so a couple of people kind of went up and said something, but then he started confronting me in person. And it wasn't anybody I was intimidated by or anything like that. It was just kind of, you know, a a, uh, a, a, a person that I just looked at and was like, there's no fear that I have about you as an individual. But if you and 10 people gang up on me, that's probably not going to be a good thing. And there was one day he drove by my house. And so I finally, when he did that, I had to go to the counselor and I was basically just like, look, man, I don't know what's going on with this, but here's the exact story. And I laid out everything to him and um, he was just like, "Okay, we'll talk. And really, the unfortunate part was not much was done. Hmm. And I think that that's that's where I see the most growth. And that's why when you said the thing about Children's Mercy and having counselors there, I think that's the biggest you know, positive about where we are now. And especially it sounds like in your school district is we've recognized not only that bullying is a problem, but we've recognized that there are things that we can do to help probably not just me, but you know, obviously that kid probably needed somebody to talk to as well. And so it's nice to hear that it's like you said, it's a forward thinking school district Mm -hmm. and it's not that you're trying to come in to make radical changes, but things like that, you know, I'm sure, you know, I know how you feel mentally. I know that you are forward thinking. I know that you kind of look at things as a whole and not just as one little piece of it. So it's nice to um, it's nice to hear that you know you're replacing somebody that it sounds like you guys had a fairly good relationship, if I remember our old our other conversation correctly. But I'm glad that somebody like you recognizes those things. I'm glad that your school district recognizes it, and I know you'll kind of continue that. So no, well, thank you. So yeah. so what happened then? Um, not much. He uh, they kind of kept bullying me, and I honestly I just I really stopped paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, really, what happened is I graduated and I I left and. Uh, because when I, the day I graduated, uh, my girlfriend from high school and I, we walked out to my car, and I had a very easy-to-spot car in high school. I had a, a yellow Dodge Dakota. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, and it was, I had dual exhaust and a, and a loud sound system. I was going to so. say, you had the big bumping system. Yeah, yeah. Too. So, I, I, uh, I basically, I went out there, and um, I had graduated, and this guy went to a, uh, what do they call it, an alternative school? I don't know if they have a different name for it now, but yeah. he went to an alternative school. And he and the girl were sitting on the curb by my car. And I got my girlfriend in my car, and I turned around, and I was like, what are you doing? And uh, I think, I can't remember his exact words, and of course, memory is memory, but he basically said, like, you know, I should have kicked your ass for the things you did. I was like, I didn't do anything. Hmm. Like, I, and I told him that. I was like, what, what can you accuse me of? What did I do? Let's just solve this. Yeah. And he was just like, you know, we're just going to end it. And he tried to shake my hand, and I was like, nope, no way that's happening. And so I just turned back to my car and left. But, yeah, that's pretty much how it ended was I just graduated, and they kind of mm-hmm. ran out of being able to see me and bother me because I just left. So when, did, <laughs> so when did it start? Did it start your senior year? Yeah, it started my senior year. Yeah, yeah. could you imagine if it would have started your freshman year? No, no, not at all. Well, especially, I mean, and that's the terrifying thing. It's like, what if I was a freshman and that guy was like a junior or senior? Yeah. Especially if he was a junior. Because like, then I know you, I'm going to have two At least you know there years. was, a, yeah, there was <laughs> yeah. more of an end than if he was a freshman. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it it, hap- it started happening my my senior year, and it ended pretty much like when I went to college. I think they made like one more post when I was in college, mm-hmm. um, 
but yeah, it's been forever since I've even looked that up. But yeah, it was it was a strange time because again, everything like I look back at my senior year of high school, I had a great time. I was in plays all the time. I was you know, I uh, was working a lot. I was just doing a lot of things that were really positive things. And again, it's your senior year. Yeah. But uh, but that was definitely kind of the the thorn of it of it all. Hmm. Yeah. See, I didn't deal with that at all. If yeah. somebody if someone was going to pick on me, it was you know right then and there. Yeah. Um, which is bad enough. Yeah. But uh, I can't imagine the idea of, at least when I got to go home, and, I, and I'm not trying to paint the picture that I was bullied or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were people that, like we all, you know, where you didn't like them necessarily. Yeah, exactly. There were just personalities I didn't care for. Um, but you can get away from it, you know, yeah. at 3 o'clock or when, I guess high school gets out earlier than that. But yeah. You know, <laughs> whatever. Um, and, I, and I actually uh, didn't even experience anything like that until – um, I was about a sophomore or junior. My parents moved us from the Shawnee Mission School District down to Miami County. Um, and there were fewer kids in the high school than were in my freshman class. Oh, man. Uh, so uh, very small. Um, and I was under the impression that, you know, small school would equal very friendly people that would just welcome you with open arms. Yeah. That's not necessarily <laughs> the case. And I had a couple of farm kids the first day that would just, you know, make fun of me and call me city boy and stuff. And I mean, yeah. looking back at it, you're like, you know, okay. big, big deal. Yeah. At the time <laughs> when you just want people to like you. Yeah. Um, it's tough. But I, I knew when the bell rang, you know, it was over essentially mm-hmm. at that point and I would go home. So I can't even imagine what people are dealing with today where, um, you know, everybody carries a cell phone with them mm-hmm. and everybody checks it often. Yeah. And, uh, well, and that is really the difference between even what I went through. Uh, oh, it's sure. like, because I, you know, I had to get in front of a computer mm-hmm. and, you know, everything that I had was, you know, analog. It was, you know, black and white little dots. And that's what told you, you know, that's what spelled out the messages and everything else. I mean, that yeah. was my cell phone forever, um, until I got to college. But I mean, yeah, it was, you know, even between, so you look at the difference between, you and me and then me where I had to actually go onto a computer, type in that site, find the page. And then it was like, Oh, well this is awful. Mm -hmm. It's like, I could have just not done that. It still would have bothered me because the kid was like following me and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean that to know that I could just open up my phone, which every kid has now because nobody has a home phone or anything like that, but to have that on you and just know that somebody could message you or, you know, post on something where all of your friends knew it, where it was and would get notified of it. That to me is terrifying. That's far worse than what I went through. And so, you know, it's again, forward thinking. It's like, how do we help to quash this now? What's going to happen? You know, what's yeah. the next person 10 years from that person going to have to deal with? So when you were, when was social media introduced? Were you in college? Were you out of college? Um, I was, I think I was in college. I when think like it was MySpace early, early college. Out. Cause I, so <laughs> this is going to date me. Um, I, <laughs> well, here, I'm asking you. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I already told you that I've, I, <laughs> yeah, I, throw I remember, it across town via paper airplane. Oh, That's I, what I think. <laughs> I remember, I remember going back. So I'm sorry. Remember what you're going to say. Okay, but I yep. remember, I remember going, uh, to chemistry class when I was in, I think I was, a, I think I was a sophomore in college. Yep. <laughs> and we went to the library to look some things up and he, our professor took us to a website essentially to do that, which I'd never seen anything like Whoa. that before. And I remember, so my it's girlfriend, the information super high my back. girlfriend at the time, which is who's my wife now, Jesse. <laughs> I remember going home, and I was like, "You have got to see this thing that they've got in the library. <laughs> it, it's like this 
thing on the computer, and if you type in anything, it, it'll pull up information about it. She was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, you know, I think we spent the next, like, two weeks. And, you know, back then it was like you could go into chat rooms, and yep. you're literally talking to somebody that you don't know who they are, and it's the conversation always starts with hi. Yeah. And then they write back hi, and then, you know, you have a conversation. How are you? Going, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I could do that with the person <gasps> sitting next to me, but I chose to just yeah. type it into, like, a random computer. But this person could be in Cincinnati, and for some reason that's cool. Yeah, but, I mean, you're talking about dating yourself. I mean, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> look what I just did. Yeah, there. well, Scott Parks from um, – what I, can't, I think it's Dane and Parks, a radio show yeah. in town. He, uh, I remember he told a story years ago, and at least w- when I heard it, it was years ago, but he was talking about um, his t- professor when he was in college, like, ran in one day. Like, they were all <laughs> sitting there already, and this professor just ran in. And I can't remember if it was a woman or a man, but the individual basically – the professor basically said, I just saw something that's going to change the world. And they're kind of like, okay, that's weird. And she's like, it's called, <laughs> the, it a infor- flying car? It's called the information superhighway. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, she was right, but also very wrong. <laughs> yes, but we call it the internet now. Yeah. And, and there it is right there, everywhere. But no, my, uh, my dating, it was um, like one, the... Oh, like, yeah, the modem. Uh, the the dial-up <laughs> modem and everything like that. But I, uh, my, like... My Facebook Messenger or text message for a long time was I'd get home, get on the computer, um, and rather than call because that's old and boring, I would um, I'd get on AOL Instant Messenger, just like all of my friends were on. Mm-hmm. So it's like you'd have like ten windows going of talking to your friends, and my parents who at the who now I think talk to people via Messenger more than I ever did at the time. Um, my parents would be like, "Get off the computer, it's wrong." <laughs> it's like you need to go outside it was like but all my friends are right here and it was just like there's that generational gap between all of it and then eventually it catches up and everybody gets on it but but yeah it was like that i mean when i was in first in college it was myspace and i think friendster yeah. was right before that so i probably could have been on something like friendster but it was pretty much like aol mm-hmm. and whatever random crazy website you'd find where you could talk to people which some which sometimes did not end up very good like Going in, going into chat rooms was just like the most terrifying thing that you could possibly experience for a while. It's like I don't know why you're asking me these questions, but you need to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it is interesting though because it, at least you embrace the technology. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I I my hope for myself is that I can always do that. Yeah. Um, this is a conversation I have with my wife a lot because she. Has already gotten to the point where she sort of wants to shun technology, <laughs> and I, I just think you know you're still very young. You're probably going to live a long time. Yeah. When the technology that we have today is going to be the dinosaur of technology in just a handful of years. Oh yeah. And if you can't keep up with what's going on now, I, I don't know how you're going to function at some point in the future. No, and I got to see that a little bit last night. Um, we were. It was my son's. Uh, uh, fourth birthday party turns four on Thursday. We'll be uh, we'll be on our way back from Denver at that time. So we had his party today or yesterday, and um, it was really fun. But a buddy of mine named Carlos came over, and they used to be our neighbors when we lived in Timber Hills. And um, that family is just absolutely amazing. Like they raised a great daughter. He has a wonderful wife. I think they're going to have some foreign exchange students. They're part of a foreign exchange student program now, so they're going to have somebody in there. And I envy that person because they are just going to have a great time with mm-hmm. them. But um, but he brings up, like he's a real like he loves technology. He loves like just like all of his whole home is wired up to be smart and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I have a question, I ask him. 
And uh, but he came over last night and he had this box and he opens it up and. Um, what I figured he had was one of those things that you put your phone into, and it's like a uh, virtual reality oh, yeah. simulator. Yeah. No, it was one of the Oculus ones, like a self-contained virtual like, reality Like serious unit. VR, yeah. Yeah, and so my wife and I did it, and the first game that we played, I can't remember what it's called, but basically you, you have these little handles. And first of all, when you put it on, it's like a flat screen, and there are just little cameras. So when you put it on, you would think, like, it's going to be black, and it's just going to have the game or whatever. No, when you first put it on, it... You can see everything. It's oh, black yeah. and white, kind of, and I'm sure you could probably adjust that setting. But it's it's all black and white. So, like, people were like, okay, do we need to lead you somewhere? It's like, no, I can see. That's my hat. That's Connor. That's Archer. I know where you are. I know where you are. I know mm. where you are. So, I mean, it, was, it wasn't the best picture quality because that's not the point of it. But you can definitely see in front of you. And so I walked over, and you basically kind of outline your living room so it knows where you can and can't go. And then the first game was like you the two handles are two lightsabers and you're basically like cutting in half like blocks hmm. and it tells you where to do it and everything. It's kind of like Dance Dance Revolution, but yeah. it looks I mean, you look around and it's all over. It's insane. And then the next thing, uh, it's not even a game. It's more of just kind of an experience. But basically you step onto a ladder or you step onto an elevator street side. Like you're just mm -hmm. kind of on a random simulated city and you step onto this elevator and you punch a button in. And the first one that I punched was Plank. And that's, I think, what the game's called. It's some th somebody's Plank. And basically, this elevator, and you hear the sounds, and you hear things go by, and it mm -hmm. sounds real, and it looks fairly real. That one's not, I won't say that's the best quality yeah. game, but it, you d it's, this is how real it is. You get to the top, and it's a wooden plank that you can adjust the width and length of. But you're at the very top of, like, a 90-story building. <laughs> and you get to walk out onto that plank. Mm -hmm. And I... I'm generally like I'm not fearful of heights like we've seen people that used to come into to our old office that w we were on the 16th floor mm -hmm. and we've seen people like go up to the windows and go, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I'm not that like a city anything like that but like and I think I honestly think I could probably skydive but when I have anything where it's relative mm -hmm. I do not like going to the edge yeah and this is a fake game I am in my living room on my carpet and the experience is immersive, so it's sound, it's visual, it's everything. Like, the only thing it doesn't have is, like, the air that's at, you know, 90 stories up. Yeah. And I seriously, like, you walk on this thing, and I'm in my living room, and I'm walking as tight as I possibly can. I'm, like, <laughs> barely looking over. It's like, there's no, there's nothing that could possibly happen to me. But it was so real that it freaked me out. And I was laughing because Nikki did it first. And you can go on your um, phone as long as you're on the same internet. And you can see what the person's seeing. Oh, okay. So we're looking at it on a phone, and it's like, "What? Well, you're, come on, <laughs> this is ridiculous. You step up. You're strong. You've given birth to two kids. You can handle this." <laughs> and I put it on, and I was the biggest wuss in the world. Like I would have embarrassed anybody. But that was, I saw that. I put that down. I was like, first of all, you just cost me a lot of money because I know what that thing costs, and yeah. I'm gonna buy one yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> And two, if that's what it looks like now, the technology of the future is going to be pretty amazing. Well, and I mean, you think of the training opportunities that you have with, yeah. with something like that, where because you can you can simulate things that are dangerous or too expensive to do yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's incredible just sort of what is going on. And you think about the fact of, I mean, they had virtual reality well, like 15 years ago or whatever, but it yeah. was really just a bunch of, it looked like you were going through a light tunnel in a way. Yeah, and exactly. It, what do you do with that necessarily? Um, but yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. My son has one and we haven't, we haven't, it's the one where you stick the phone in and we, yeah. haven't, we haven't ever done it. 
Uh, <laughs> and so it's it's really providing us a lot of great technology to embrace it sitting <laughs> in the corner of his room. So that's yeah. kind of cool to hear what you were able to experience, though. Yeah, it was. It's it's a really interesting thing. And like, the, there's one thing where you go to it, like they have the plank that's at the top, and then you go to the like lower level, mm-hmm. and it's only about 15, 20 stories up, and you have like a jet on your arm, and you basically can push a button and you fly around the city. Oh Which yeah. Which again, like with that, I was like, yeah, this is fine. Like I looked down, I was like, "Ooh, I'm really high up here," but it wasn't a big deal. But I went up to the freaking plank using that, mm-hmm. and I still looked down. I made the mistake of looking into where you normally came out of, and it's just an elevator shaft. Oh, and that was <laughs> terrifying. So yeah, I mean, it was it was amazing. But I, this kind of goes to a theme, and I I know this has a part to do with education as well, mm-hmm. because I constantly tell people I watched something and you've probably heard it on like the last four podcasts because it's kind of blowing my mind and especially from having that experience last night i think real estate is going to change a lot in the next 10 to 15 years and that's that's really not a a, i think a profound statement i mean it's Mm -hmm. going to change no matter what anyway but i think virtual reality is going to change the supply and demand of real estate significantly because if what i just experienced is able to take place then no matter what job I have, I don't need to live in a place like, you know, uh, Silicon Valley where rent is, you know, $3,000 a month and buying a house is close to impossible. Mm-hmm. I can be in Nebraska, have the exact same job, and I can sit in a conference room and look at everybody else that's on this headset as an avatar or whatever, and we can have a meeting and it'll feel just like I'm there. And as soon as I take it off, I'm back in Nebraska in my $150,000 house. And I think that's the same with education. You could sit in a classroom and then take that off, and you're you're no longer there. Well, I mean, did you see the Hunger Games? Uh, I saw the first one. Yeah, so there's a scene in the first movie where um, the lead character is sitting in her, basically her cell, you know, because they're it's at the training facility. Yep. But yeah, she can change what her window looks like essentially and it looks like she's either in the trees or she's in a cityscape and i I think you're right i mean i don't know that that's necessarily that far off no um but i mean you think about what it takes to come up with an idea like that you know that whole idea of i'm gonna sit here and i'm gonna i'm gonna sit in a room and i'm gonna create something that people don't even know they want you know right you think of the ipod a mm-hmm. long time ago who would have ever thought essentially that that would be something that people would want yeah or even the iphone or the um, zoom that was successful <laughs> for like five days yeah. or something um but i mean you know I, i'm this journey has essentially made me feel like i was a, a professional slacker in school a number of times mm-hmm. um there i don't know if you're familiar with the caps program in mm. blue valley so what's the best way to describe it um there is a facility where students can, if students can get accepted into this program, they can go and they can study something that's very diverse into something that they're interested in, more so than what they'll get in their normal classroom work. Yep. If somebody's really interested in design or if somebody's really interested in, you know, robotics or somebody's really interested in, you know, nursing or whatever. Yeah. Um, they've built this facility where students can go and they work on real world projects. So they've got, you know, companies like Garmin that will come and say, we have this problem. We're not 100% sure how to solve it. We're going to give it to your high school students, and they need to come up with a solution. And, you know, I mean, they, they work and partner with them. So it's real-world experience. But, I mean, it's this – it's starting at such a young age of, yeah. you know, I'm sitting in a room, and I'm trying to solve problems that the world has that maybe they don't even know that they have yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I walk through, and I just think, you know, first the first thought is what I could have done if, you know, if, if I would have had this as a student. But then I start thinking about the fact when I was in high school, I probably would have been like, nah. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You know, that's why I, that's why I was born. 
<laughs> when I was instead of now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had trouble with prepositions too in freshman year. <laughs> but you guys are solving the world's problems. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't belong. Well, it, it's amazing to me though that I mean, it seems like uh, the individual solving problems that we don't know we have it just kind of keeps getting younger and younger yeah uh, it, it kind of goes back to what i said before you know you can't disregard somebody based off of age as to what they can do i mean yeah. I, look at zuckerberg i mean who would have thought that he would run one of the biggest companies in the country yeah as a college student smart guy you know it, you it, you can't be an idiot and get into harvard right but <coughs> you know being that much of a step above what everybody at the harvard level even is to be able to say i think that this would be something that would be beneficial yep. to connect people we're going to start it here as a pilot mm -hmm. um and then move on a and actually i think it's funny this is just a side note but i just think it's interesting so a friend of mine um adriana bates she is a mortgage lender mm -hmm. and she went to brown and she was part of the pilot project of facebook so <laughs> and so basically she was a part of it when it was the facebook Oh, nice. So she's talked about like her login information and everything is still associated with that pilot piece. Um, I don't know if that's just like a side note, but I, just, I always think that's cool. Oh, know, yeah. That you've got these little pockets of people that are she's like, part of this sort of shares? social experiment that <laughs> is now, you know, this worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. She's probably uh, now she has to listen to this because I talked about her. I know she's <laughs> talking, talking her up on the podcast. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, hopefully she got some shares out of it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think she got any shares. That's unfortunate. She just gets the story of saying I was part of the pilot project. Come on, know, which is cool enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it, to me, it is absolutely amazing what what this is doing because I feel like I was kind of the, I was kind of the youngest generation because I remember being in elementary school when we went from, you know, MS DOS green screen and Oregon Trail mm -hmm. to Windows ninety five. Yeah, I remember the, that transition. The exciting games were all in uh, in script. It was all <laughs> it was all you just have to read what you're doing. Yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of like things that you're asking, you know, kids to do at a young age, like the weirdest thing to go back and think about when you're looking at Oregon Trail is you had to like, you know, write what is it your epitaph? Like you had to write what was I, on I your never headstone. Played that. Oh, you didn't? So, oh, no, I, I, yeah. I've so heard you, of it, but yeah. I I, I was too busy playing. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Yeah. Oh, well, played that too. Yeah. I just liked Oregon Trail better. Before I knew what dysentery actually was, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I, a game I, of learning. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, when you die, or when somebody in your party dies, when it says like, you know, Brian died of dysentery, you get to write what's on their headstone. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So oh. when you're doing it at the time, you're just goofy, and you're you know in elementary school, so you're like he pooped his pants. <laughs> but when you're when you grow up and you think back to it, it's like I wrote what was on people's headstones. That's a little terrifying. <laughs> that I don't the, know if I that, like that anymore. That was the training of that game. <laughs> exactly. It was, <laughs> it was like one specific job. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was a, it was just a very interesting thing. But I do remember when they they I think they did it mid year. They brought the MS DOS. They took the MS DOS computers and they brought in the Windows ninety five mm -hmm. to IBM's, and it was absolutely amazing. And you went to you know you went to all the different sites that you could. I remember somebody typed in whitehouse.com mm -hmm. and that was a terrible experience for that person because they didn't realize what that used to be. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, it was, again, it was like everybody was learning. Even the teachers were trying to learn because mm -hmm. it was just so new. And I feel like I'm the last generation that really saw that. But it's interesting to me now because all the kids that are, you know, especially elementary school kids, but even the high school kids, they have been raised 
100% smartphone, internet, you know, social media. They've been programmed throughout that entire span of their lives mm -hmm. to know that it's right in your palm of your hand or it's right on the computer. And that's where everything revolves around. So we went from get off the computer and get outside to, well, you're probably going to have a, Tech, uh, career in technology anyway so you might as well get used to it and you know I think that there's a there's a very big positive of that but the only the big negative that I've at least you know when you I've listened to a couple of podcasts where they talk about you know whether it's America's youth or whatever it might be but one thing to transition kind of back into you your running for office is a consistent thing that I have heard and I actually heard it on the last podcast with Eric they took out their physical education program at State Fair Community College, even though it was like one credit that you had to take. It was like an hour you had to go, you know, to work out or do whatever. Or in my case, I think I had to like write a document because there were only two people in my in class. In phys ed, you had to write? Yeah, I had to write in phys ed because oh, there were two sense. people in my class and they were just like, go work out and write it down and then write this essay and you're fine. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it seems like we've kind of gone from being, you know, a very physical nation to once this kind of transition occurred, you know, even the military is like, we can't find people that are mm -hmm. physically fit enough to join the military, and especially something like special forces. Has that been a topic of discussion in the district, or is that something that I'm sure you'll probably address going forward? But what's the what's kind of the consensus on that? Yeah, you know, I think the, I think it's a really good question because it is a fear between that and, I mean, you hear, um, you know, schools around the country that are getting rid of art programs and, yeah. and things like that. And everything seems to be very focused in just a few areas um, where education is something where you're supposed to be very well-rounded. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the district has done a good job of recognizing, at least historically, uh, that all of these areas are important. Yeah. Uh, they're all important in developing uh, a student's growth, whether that be through physical education or whether that be through math and science or whether that be through the arts yeah um that really you know none of them need to be cut yeah uh you you one is not necessarily more important than the other um but i know that i know there was a, a conversation a few years back essentially that the previous board went through mm -hmm. and it was it was not around physical education but it was around the arts piece mm -hmm. and they were changing essentially the criteria but the message got out that they were essentially getting rid of the arts program and that was not the case yeah uh, you know you you have to stay on top of that to make sure that everybody is well informed as to what you're doing mm -hmm. um, but no there, there really has not been uh a push at least that I'm aware of yeah. uh, to disband any of that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all important. I, the only thing that I've noticed that's different is that, and I'm not even really sure the rationale behind this. The only thing I've really heard with any type of physical education is that it's, it's no longer called recess anymore at the elementary school. It's, what? It, it, no, it's called like a, uh, an exercise break or something like that. So I almost <laughs> think they're trying to move into your mind just that much more that this is a time to, move and to be active right versus you know sit in the corner and trade pokemon cards or something like yeah. that which i'm sure still happens but, uh, you know even just in the naming essentially of that yeah um so my son just went to middle school last year he finished his first year of sixth grade he's getting ready to go into seventh and i mean there was there is somewhat of a drop in <coughs> physical activity at that point because yep. you don't have recess anymore you're <laughs> or yep. whatever it's called yeah <laughs> uh, you you move into you actually have PE, um, mm -hmm. but he only had PE two semester or two quarters 
so basically half yeah. of half of the year. Gotcha. Um, and you can take it more often than that, but uh, um, so I guess you see a little bit of a decline there. But you know, if you think about what. I mean, how long was your recess? It was probably 15 minutes or something I'm like sure, that. I'm sure, yeah. When you get a full hour, I'm assuming that it accumulates into the same amount of time. Yeah. But no, I, th- I think it's a good question. It's something that you have to always be mindful of, of the fact that, you know, whether it's sports or, uh, you know, yeah, musical theater or, uh, you know, anything like that, that it's all important. Yeah, well, and I, I, I do feel that right now it's, I think part of the problem is balance with with regard to how we handle a lot of things in our lives. And what I mean by that, to kind of clarify, is, you know, with kids, I think that they need to be exposed to to technology in a significant way. I think it needs to be a big part of their lives because Mm -hmm. they're going to rely on it for the rest of their lives. And it's going to be play an important part and probably, you know, it's going to continue to be a bigger, it's going to continue to have a bigger and bigger role in their lives. Um, I mean, I just saw that we have a, there's a car company now that you can, like, just buy it. And they deliver it to you, and I can't remember what it was called. I have to look it up. But and then there's it's like it's not the car vending machine. And, then is and, and that was what I was about to say. And then there's like a car vending machine. It's yeah. like so. I mean, you can basically buy one, buy the other, buy this online, buy this online, have it delivered to your front door, and never see the person outside of signing for you know for yeah. the car by the delivery driver. But so I think there's definitely a a big piece where you know kids have to be around it. They have to kind of understand it. They need to be taught early and taught often. But I think the other part of it is when you're looking at this as kind of a, a holistic strategy, we'll say, um, you know, when you're talking mental health, when you're talking lack of exercise, I mean, I mean, I'm sure that the conversation has also been, especially with the with the um, the previous first lady and Michelle Obama, you know, there was, I'm sure, even more conversations about eating healthy mm-hmm. and what that costs the district and everything else. But it does seem like, you know. Not just with kids, and it's not like it's the school district's responsibility to raise a child, but very often I think parents kind of lean on that a little bit, a little bit heavier than either they should or than they know that they are. Maybe that's the right way to look at it. Um, but with regard to the entire strategy, you know, to me right now what we're dealing with is less, a lot less physical activity than there ever has been before. A lot more technology, which is both positive and because of the, pr- the other thing, negative. And then between diet and everything else, like that does seem to play a part in mental health and kind of going through that and looking at that entire sphere. I mean, that's that's I assume outside of, you know, hiring a superintendent or whatever the other case may cases may be like that's that's the complete focus. If your focus is truly like you said, you're you know, you're concentrating on the student, Mm -hmm. on the students themselves. Like, that's just one thing that I look at and say, like, okay, that's got to be a heck of a balancing act for a school board to look at because I'm sure a lot of those conversations aren't, you know, they're not putting that on teachers. They're not necessarily putting that on principals. It might be on the superintendent, but it's got to be a conversation with the school board of how do we achieve, as you've said before, these kind of long-term strategies while making sure that we're also taking care of the students in the, what, seven hours a day that we have them. So, I mean, there's not really a question there as much as, you know, is that something that you've thought about and kind of really concluded like I'm I mean, obviously you're running. So you've concluded that you're ready to take it on. But what was the process of that? Because that's a I mean, that's a big responsibility to have, knowing that it's not just I'm elected. Hooray. I'm going to help the superintendent make decisions. It's I'm elected. Holy crap. I have 20,000 kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is interesting because uh, you touched on a lot of things that 
that schools are dealing with now that they weren't in the past. I yeah. mean, you think about, um, did you ever see the show, uh, the show that Jamie Oliver had, that Food Revolution show? Where no, he, no, I didn't see that one. So I remember seeing previews for it, but I didn't see it. So Jamie Oliver is um, a British chef that basically came to the United States and he said, I'm going to look at, you know, what are the most obese cities in the nation mm -hmm. and I am going to try to make a difference there. I'm going to go to the school boards and I'm going to try to um, change the actual food. Uh, British people are always coming over and telling us negative <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> trying to trap the, the colonials the, again. This is the Hamilton conversation. Exactly. Once, <laughs> once again, the, the, but the, with the price of <laughs> charge on the price of tea. Um, but basically coming over and looking at what the school menus are. Yeah. And then, you know, really trying to make a difference there. Well, I mean, that wasn't something that you would have even dreamt about having to deal with, right. you know, 20 years ago, you're trying to run a school district. Um, and you know, you were just lucky that you were providing food. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you think about the fact that there are some kids that that's the only meal they may get yeah. in an entire day. And it's also setting the standard for or the precedence, I guess, for what they're going to be like as adults. Yeah. You know, what do you, what do you eat now? And are you provided with something of good quality and fresh? And, uh, you know, so there's, there are a lot of, um, issues that will continue to come up over the years as we evolve as you know, a species essentially and learn that there are things that um, we could be providing that we weren't before mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, our predecessors didn't really have to deal with. Um, I'm, I'm actually excited about that challenge because, you know, there's only so much you can do to make sure that math is taught properly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's going to change over time. But, you know, what else can you do? And, and I'm not suggesting, I, I don't want to give the impression that I'm trying to say that the school should be, and you kind of touched on this, mm -hmm. the school shouldn't be the parent. Right. Uh, the parent should be the parent. But there should be a really good partnership between the two. Yeah. Between the parents and the schools to provide the best outcome. I mean, it, it's like any, it's like anything, essentially. When multiple parties are working in concert, the outcome is better for the person uh, that right. you're serving. It's not any different here. And, and I mean, yeah, I've put a lot of thought into it. And I'm, the thing that I'm always wondering, though, is what is that next, you know, groundbreaking item going to be, mm -hmm. you know, that we will be saddled with to try to solve? Yeah. Um, and, you know, frankly, if <laughs> if the job would if the job were stagnant and there weren't those constant challenges of how do we improve the educational experience? I, I don't know that I would have as much of an interest or really feel like mm -hmm. I could make as much of an impact. Yeah. Um, I, you kind of talked about this before and we're lucky that we've known each other for a while. So you know <laughs> how my brain is wired yeah. and my brain is always looking at the, you know, what is the, if we do this now, what is the outcome 10 years from now? Yeah. Um, you know, if I do this now, is this actually something that will benefit students, not only today, but into the future, or mm -hmm. is this something that's a band-aid fix? Yeah. Not necessarily interested in the Band-Aid fix unless there's no other alternative at the time. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, and, and it's, it's a good thing because a lot of times, especially, in, you know, we talked about the, the school shootings earlier and, and um, the, you know, and it sounds weird to say, but, you know, because I don't want to put these things together because they are obviously very much not the same, but like the eating healthy thing when you have a, a person with so much influence that wants everybody to kind of change the way that they do things. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a positive thing because to me, what a Band-Aid fix means is that you were reactionary in your, in your, in your outlook mm -hmm. rather than saying, okay, well, I mean, and the best example of policy with this, by the way, is the NFL. 
the NFL has the most some of the most reactionary policies that I've ever seen. It's like and they never seem prepared for it. And it's the strangest thing because, you know, you have a situation like with Ray Rice when they, you know, he initially got suspended for something like two games. Mm -hmm. And then they found like they found the video and it was obviously way worse because somebody found the video and you saw him just completely knock out his girlfriend at the time. But what always amazes me is they said, you know, he was arrested for domestic violence um, and or assault or however it was classified at the time. But he was arrested for the action that he performed for two games. Tom Brady was suspended after a, an, a just ridiculous investigation for four. <laughs> a football like, that wasn't filled up all the Yeah. Way. Well, and the funniest thing to me about the football issue, the, the, the flake gate, and it's not like I'm Tom Brady's biggest fan. Yeah. Um, especially after last year, but (laughs) (laughs) freezing my butt off in that game. Um, no, you, but you have to just be amazed that, oh yeah, no, you you can't guys able to do exactly. You can be like my age. Yeah. You can be a a Jets fan and still have to look at him and just say like, yeah, he's the best quarterback ever. Yeah. And I was always a huge Joe Montana fan, so it's tough for me to do that. But the funniest thing to me about that stupid thing was, um, he, when the ball was deflated, Mm -hmm. They were up like seven to nothing. When the ball was properly inflated, they beat them like 42 to seven. <laughs> it's like first half, kind of bad. That other team has to score. Exactly, yeah. So it was just one of those really strange things that was just like, I don't know what's going on. But it was pretty, it was around the same time. Mm-hmm. It was like, you are investigating this guy to give him a four game suspension for deflating a football. And you gave somebody that was, and I don't want to say accused. I mean, he was. It was. It was known that he committed an act of violence against a woman that was his girlfriend mm-hmm. at the time. We knew it, even if we didn't have the video. We knew it. It was admitted to, and you gave him a two-game suspension. So you value deflated balls over human life, is the way I looked at that. And again, that's reactionary policy. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally like the fact that you're actually sitting there saying. Yeah, I have to be forward thinking, and I, it freaks me out what's going to happen next. Because it's something where you're not, at that point, you are not reactionary. So, good on you. Well, and I, this is something I think people are going to get tired of hearing me say, even because I have a feeling that this is something that will continue to come up. But, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I feel like you have to look through that filter of, is the decision I'm making, is it something that will actually improve the mm-hmm. student experience? Or do I have enough information to even make a decision that will improve the educational experience for a student and if i don't have those things you know you you can't you can't be reactionary i don't think there's too much at stake essentially yeah and i mean you you can't let students be uh, you know guinea pigs in an experiment essentially yeah that may or may not work out well well exactly i mean you've got you know, K through 12, you have 13 years of them. And, you know, if you waste a couple. Which is not very long. No, it's not long at all. It feels like a lifetime when you're in it. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, yes. I remember thinking when I was in, you know, fourth grade or whatever, I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm in school forever. Yeah. And then you hit that point where you're out of high school and you think, okay, I have been out of school longer than I was ever in school. Yeah. And you realize I'm still not very old. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, even when you're a junior in high school, you see the seniors, like, leave that day. Like I got a whole another year. <laughs> it's, it's a whole time. Oh no! How am I gonna make it? Exactly. So I mean, it's 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 an it's an understandable frustration because yeah, it's a, and I always look at it too as like it's also like if you look at the percentage of their life, it's like they spent 
100% of their life in some type of school or, like, in yeah. some type of care. Like, you know, when they're kids, they don't have any memories of it. So let's say you start picking up memories three to four years old. It's like by five, you're in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. You're starting. And so, you know, as a percentage of their life, 95% of their life has been spent yeah. in school. And, you know, yay, summer break. Like, hooray. <laughs> you know, but and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. But, I mean, you're good. you have to kind of think, too. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I think you have to think differently, and I think we think differently towards most things now than we've done 20 years ago. Good. But, but I mean, if if you think about what my job would be, the student is your client in a way, to put it in a business term. Yeah. So what do you do to make that – What do you, uh, that doesn't mean that every day is going to be fun necessarily, but I mean, what do you do to make that educational experience valuable to them? Yeah. You know, and I, it needs to be. And if it's, I, I actually, I got to sit down with the principal of um, Blue Valley Southwest, and the guy kind of blew my mind in his thinking in a lot of ways. And he, his idea was, at least, and I don't know if it was necessarily his, but what he was mm-hmm. communicating to me was the idea that, you know, we need to we need to make sure that that experience is valuable. And whether yeah. it needs to be through the traditional methods or it needs to be through some other sort of medium, yeah. It needs to be valuable. Um, and I, I just, I don't know, I think that's a very positive way of looking at mm-hmm. this instead of, you know, you're here because you're essentially mandated by law to be in school until right. you're at least a certain age. Uh, you know, how do we make that valuable? And how do we instill the idea that education has value? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with education, there's power. Yep. Instead of I have to be here from this time to this time, and I'm serving my time until I can make a decision to do whatever I want to do. I'm in learning prison. Yeah, I'm in yeah. learning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I definitely felt like that from at times. Yeah. You know, when I was younger, I, I'm here, and uh, I have to be here from this hour to this hour, and I have to be here from this age to this age, and then I get to decide what I want to do. Yeah. Um, that's where I mean, we kind of talked about the CAPS program. I mean, that's where I think those types of systems are, or those types of programs are so incredibly valuable. Yeah. Um, I remember um, when I was a senior in high school, what I wanted to do more than anything is I wanted to be an audio engineer. At least I thought I wanted to be an audio engineer. Mm-hmm. You know, so I wanted to be the guy like in the sound booth that was recording artists. Yeah. Having no idea that <laughs> what the, where the music industry would be today. Yeah. Where most people just. Where everybody could do it themselves. Yeah, they just record <laughs> at home. <clears throat> And, you know, there's not these huge budgets with records or anything anymore just because you don't sell music that way anymore. Right. Um, but th- ultimately, that's what I thought I wanted to do. And all of my efforts were focused towards how can I essentially prepare myself for this? Well, I mean, th- there was nothing in my high school to prepare me for that. Right. So, therefore, I decided, well, I'm just going to get through this until I can go on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, which is a horrible yeah. attitude, essentially. Yeah. You know, And, you know, I was kind of joking before that if I would have had – something like the CAPS program, I probably would have been like, oh, I'm not doing that. But I would have been all over an opportunity like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Um, to do something that I thought was meaningful at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas the options that were given to me w- that were somewhat limited just really didn't hold a whole lot of value to me. I, right. I, you know, I'm, I'm essentially taking these to fill hours, but I have no intent of really using this at that time. Mm-hmm. That, of course, that's 16, 17, 18-year-old me yeah I, I don't feel that way anymore but no understood i mean the the thing that always bothered me was the idea of studying for a test yeah like and not and so and not, much emphasis was put on the grade that you would receive yeah and and the i and i guess 
it, even more than that, it was studying for like the the standardized test because I really felt like, especially at the, I think at the time that I was in school, I mean, I graduated in '05, so I mean, it was a it was definitely like Bush era, you know, mm-hmm. No Child Left Behind and that kind of generation. But it really just felt like the teachers. I mean, talk about the students feeling like they were in learning prison. I felt like the teachers felt the same way because it's like I can't teach the way that I want to teach. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching the way I'm supposed to so that we pass this test so that, you know, our school looks good. And, you know, I could just, you could tell, like, when it was a week or two ahead of time, it was just like it just drained them. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't how I want to teach. This isn't what I got into it for. What are we doing here? I mean, is that something that that um, the school district has kind of gotten away from? I mean, I, I'm just ignorant on the subject, so I don't know, like, what standardized testing looks like now, but if, if the school district has kind of allowed for them to have a little bit more leeway in what they do. I mean, uh, they're still there because yeah. as of right now, it's probably the only method that yeah. they have for determining those. But I mean, I, I think everybody knows in education that that's not necessarily the best way that people learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I mean, it, and from my understanding and my opinion, at least, I think we're sort of looking for that next best thing. Yeah. Um, I know we've talked about this before, but I, I think you're a fan of Malcolm Gladwell, as yeah. I am. Okay. Yep. Do you listen to his podcast at all? Uh, so I really like Malcolm Gladwell, and yeah. when I'm with Nikki, I can I can I can listen to it because you know we'll have interactions. But when it's just me listening to Malcolm Gladwell, you can't take it. I cannot take it. It has nothing to do with the subject matter because the subject matter is amazing. Yeah, but it's just his voice and the way that he talks and the random pauses that he sometimes has and the way that his voice just kind of goes back. Like it's like to me, it's like listening to a very light voice like from a pendulum. <laughs> like and this is what it that's all I hear I can, the whole time I can, I can see where you're coming yeah. from on that well uh, so anyway he has a podcast called Revisionist History yeah and it's I very wish, good I wish they would pay me for promoting that because I think it's great oh my god yeah but, uh, it really you, is good so there was one and you may have heard it that um, he actually just did a two part series on standardized testing oh no I didn't hear it and it was most specifically for the LSAT the mm-hmm. law entrance exam yep so the LSAT is set up to where you receive on purpose not enough time to complete the sections that you are tested on. Oh. <laughs> because the thought is when you go into law school, you have to be able to think quickly and you have to be able to absorb information in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they did the study on oh does. God, I'd get such a bad grade on that test. <laughs> well, I, I probably would as well. Yeah. And because there are essentially two types of test takers in there, and he had terms for them. And I know one was, oh, I guess it was a tortoise and a hare. Mm-hmm. You know, and you think of that old parable, the tortoise and the hare. I'm the former of those two. Well, <laughs> you know, they, they say, though, that, I mean, the tortoise, if you remember back to the story, the tortoise wins, essentially. Yeah. And But the, the LSAT is made for hares. It's made for people that can do things really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so they did this. The whole point of the podcast was to go back and look and say, is this standardized test a good measure for what someone will do, not only in law school, but afterwards. And mm-hmm. essentially the conclusion was it's not. Oh, good. It is, it is a standardized test for a very specific um, group of individuals mm-hmm. that can take a test quickly, but that doesn't necessarily translate into success later. Right. And um, they even interviewed uh, the people that would clerk for like the Supreme Court justice. Yeah. And they would say, so if you were given a briefing and you were supposed to read it, would you read it really quickly? And they'd say, no, I would read it very slowly. I would read it much slower than I would read for pleasure, essentially, so that I yeah. can absorb it and I can I can think about the nuances because the nuances matter. Yeah. Well, essentially, that test does not test for that. 
<laughs> and so they actually went to the standardized testing board and they said, you know, would you be willing to change this because, or would you be willing to test differently because this obviously doesn't test well for the end result? And uh, essentially the answer was, well, no, because it's a standardized test. <laughs> you know, so, y I mean, you think about, uh, you think about areas of tradition and standardized testing can fit into that. I mean, mm -hmm. tradition usually changes very slowly. Yeah. Uh, my wife works in the medical profession. That profession has changed incredibly slowly. Um, you think about residents essentially that are meant to work for hours and hours and hours on end. Mm -hmm. And really the only reason for that, and I'm sure Nikki has some stories on this too, mm -hmm. being in law, but the only benefit to that at all is just because the older you know the older doctors had to do it you have to do it as well yeah and i think changes in standardized testing is exactly the same way yeah um, does that mean that that's how it always will be i you know my hope is not because mm -hmm. we've learned that people learn differently yeah um, but i don't know what the future holds necessarily there yeah that was I a really long way for me to say i don't know what the future holds with that fair <laughs> but enough yeah but, uh, but I, I definitely think it's something that is worth looking at yeah well, I mean, and, and one last thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're good. You're and good. I mean, I know that I know that the idea behind solely judging teachers off of test scores is something that's currently being looked at as well. You know, well, that's it, good because th there's so much more that a teacher can be judged off of, and I think that's uh, positive thinking. Or yeah, it's forward thinking, not positive thinking. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine like, and I know that they're again taking the average overall, but you know, they're just going to be people like I. This is going to probably crack you up because of the industry that I started out in and the test that we all had to take, but I was not great with math. Yeah. I was really good at looking at patterns. I was really good with the four basic, you know, um, necessities of math, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Mm -hmm. So I could problem solve and I was very good at that. But as soon as they started introducing sine, cosine, tangent, I could not wrap my brain around it. Mm -hmm. And so that was, but it was what we had to do to in order to pass, you know, to, in order to get my degree, I had to take um, was it algebra one, two, whatever it was, and then um, oh God, I think I took statistics. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they just gave me the grade to get me out of there. <laughs> They're tired <laughs> of messing with you. Just, yeah. just go on. Yeah. Well, like you know, and my degree was so specific. I mean, it was my degree was personal financial planning. That was it. It yeah. wasn't in the business department. It was in the human environmental services school. Yeah. And. Um, and I think before it had been like family and consumer economics, and they were like, we're never going to get people into this program with a name like that. Let's call it personal financial planning. And so it worked out that way. But it was one of those, like, I still look back at that and think, and I see this every single day, or not every single day, every single year around tax time. I see the same meme, and it always kills me because I believe that it's completely true. And it's like, um, I'm so happy I, oh, what is it? I'm it's some it's a shape that again shows you how much I know it was like I'm so glad I you know studied this particular shape or algorithm so much in school it's really helped me during this algorithm time and they're talking about tax time yeah it's just like really happy that I studied those things I really didn't need but I don't know how to do tax and I don't understand taxes at all yeah. And I see this a lot, especially with people who are, you know, and this isn't anything negative. This is just kind of where I see it. And I'm sure you probably do too, but people who have never been self-employed or especially those who have never even self-employed people who've never had employees, mm -hmm. they don't understand that for, you know, some of the taxes that they're paying on their side, the employer is matching it on their side too. And so people will say like, well, I don't understand why I have to pay these taxes. My, you know, and then they see like my my uh, employer is getting this much money and that's ridiculous and I can't believe it. 
like, well, they, they are paying half as well, and not just for you, for every single employee. And so when payroll taxes comes up, it's an, always an interesting conversation to see who, who knows, who doesn't. And, I mean, I've talked about this with you. I've talked about this with, I think, several guests. I am all for the arts. I mean, my mm-hmm. associate of arts was in uh, speech and theater. I've always been a huge fan. I've written checks to arts dep- art departments that um, I've, I've been a part of because I think it's a very important thing, and I think they really kind of end up operating on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people that I... <laughs> The people that always had the hardest job wasn't the you know the actors it was the costume department because they were dealing with the fact that they had zero money and they had to either make costumes or figure out what would look okay on stage you know so it's not like they're rolling in money and they have to have it every single year it's like they just have to break even that's all they have to do but i still think that you again it all goes back to balance it's you have to have an arts program i think you should have some type of you know physical activity going but it does seem like they just need to have a course that's like here's how to make it like here's what a 1040 is and i mean I, you see this all the time like normally it's on facebook is like you know a football coach stopped practice so that he could take his team over and show him how to change a tire it's like <laughs> yeah important things because it's happened where you'll see somebody on the highway they have no idea how to change it so it's like, <sighs> pull over help yeah. them out but again it's like that's and also, that isn't all, all on the school to teach. Hit that again. But that's just one of those things. It's like when you're in the position, you've got to achieve balance. And I'm sure that those questions will come up. And sometimes they'll be okay and happy. And other times, I'm sure you'll have angry parents that really are demanding answers. That's interesting. I mean, I know we've talked about this in the past. But yeah. that's interesting that you even put it the way of the class is essentially, here's how to make it in life. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> we've talked about this a lot. And there are so many things that you have to deal with as an adult where you are given no opportunity to learn. Yeah. Um, you know, case in point, my business, your former business. Yeah. Uh, you know, people come in, they always say, I feel so dumb asking this question. Or, you know, I think probably more uh, often people will come in and, and feel like, I don't even know what to ask. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not 100% sure what I'm, I know I'm supposed to be doing. I know I'm supposed to be saving. Yeah. I know I'm supposed to have life insurance. I don't even really know why. Yeah. And I, I, if I don't know why, I certainly don't know how much. Yeah. You know, or, or what I'm even supposed to do. Yet there's no help along the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not suggesting that we implement this right away. But, I mean, it, it's definitely, you know, I get on my soapbox from time to time and feel like it's there are definitely a lot of things that we sort of send – young adults out into the world and they don't really know how to handle. Right. Uh, and I mean, changing the tire is probably one of those things. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there's this thought of, well, I'll just make enough money to where I'll be able to have somebody else do it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when you're on the side of a highway, like with no one around. Yeah. But there's probably going to be a time in your life where you can't afford that either. Yeah. Because no one comes out of, well, not no one, but <laughs> a few people come out of college making, uh, you know, a great living immediately. You have to learn essentially before you can earn. Yeah. And the learning doesn't end when you, leave college, leave high school, whatever. Yeah, well, and I think this is, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, I, I just to add to that, I think that that's a very good point, especially when you're talking about situations where you've got, um, I mean, Nikki has talked about this with her profession, uh, being a, an attorney, you know, and I saw this immediately when <coughs> I came out of school. It's like, you can even go into schooling to do your specific job. You can, you know, go to law school to become a lawyer and, you know, pass the bar. 
and then in in our case you can you know i can graduate with a degree in personal financial planning pass my series seven my 66 my life and health and the moment i get into the office is the moment i actually learn how to be an advisor the moment you actually learn how to be an attorney is the moment that you go and be an attorney yep. and it's amazing to me that we look at that system and we think that's okay and i know that some of that is just real world training you have to be out into it you, you know and i think that medical profession is probably better than most at training people to do what they need to do because they have residencies. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I remember coming out, I think I had one of my first meetings and all I did was spout numbers at somebody. I just shouted numbers. Here's the beta of it. Here's this, here's this. Like, why did I do that? That was the, <laughs> that's not what they want to hear. They like, and you know, and this isn't to try to talk down to anybody, but it was a situation where it's just like, you know, 95% of people are going to have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think there, there are several problems, though, that are more, much more basic that you can kind of nip in the bud a little bit. You know, and like I said, ch the changing the tire is the most obvious one. But that's also one that, you know, unless you've been there when your, you know, mom or dad or sister or brother have broken down and they've been like, okay, Tim, here's how we're going to change this tire. Which never happens because most of the time they're mad anyway, so they don't want to <laughs> see anybody. It's that scene from a Christmas story. Exact fudge. <laughs> but, I mean, it is such a good point. And, I mean, I think, you know, with your wife being in the legal profession, I think that's sort of, that's one of the key areas. And, I mean, I, I get it. A program like that, they're trying to train you how to do a number of things. Mm -hmm. Because when you leave law school, you don't necessarily, you're not trained to go into this specific area of law or mm -hmm this whatever else is associated with that but I, so i get that piece of it but i mean you're right if you if you graduate from law school and day one you have to go try a case you're you're not going to have a clue how to do that no and i mean it's kind of like with you you had a lot of knowledge but i mean they don't teach you how to run a business right and when you realize when you go into financial services uh, that's it is it's you have to run a business yeah and you just you happen to have the technical ability to help somebody plan but i mean you also don't necessarily probably spend a whole lot of time on communication exactly and that's the key part i mean you talked about the fact that you just spouted off a bunch of numbers when really for the most part clients just want to know am i going to be okay yeah you know am i going to be able to do the things i want to do in retirement am i going to run out of money yeah and when you don't know that mm -hmm. when all you know is you know how to basically interpret graphs and things like that for yourself but yeah not necessarily for the clients you are somewhat ill-prepared mm -hmm. to go out into the real world and make it. And, uh, you know, that's actually come up with a number of other advisors I've talked to about the financial planning programs mm -hmm. is they are great in the sense that you, I mean, you, you're essentially a CFP when you're done. I mean, yeah. you, you have that knowledge, mm -hmm. which is critically important. There are an awful lot of people walking out, you know, holding themselves up as advisors that don't have that knowledge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, the ability to communicate that knowledge is a entirely different thing, and then knowing how to essentially run a business yeah. is another <laughs> completely different thing. Yeah. So do you have to get three degrees? I mean, oh, exactly. Well, and still come out of it probably not knowing something else that we're not thinking sure, of right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of essentially the point of of I guess the you know we're we're going off on a tangent from yeah the original purpose but I mean I think I do think it's important that you know I think it's important that people understand that like one education is always going to need to change with the times that we're in because there are always going to be things that are left behind 
making sure that there are kids that are not left behind, but also making sure that, you know, whatever the, the school district can in its power, whatever it can do, that it tries to do or it makes, you know, it really makes a mark on the student because, I mean, I've it's very rare for me at least that somebody graduates from, you know, once they graduate from the program or school or whatever it might be, and most of the time you see that they're not happy with it, it's when they either acted up maybe a little bit too much um, or they just went to the school for one year and that's where they graduated from. Like my dad, um, I think he graduated from Ruskin in 73, but he always talks about high school as his high school that he went to in Holden. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, smaller school and that kind of thing. But that's just kind of one of those things. But I think for the most part, when you graduate from a high school, you really look back and you say, like, I did this and it was from this district and you're always proud to go back or at least see it. You know, it kind of just gives you that feeling. And I think that's an important thing to look at is like making sure that that feeling kind of continues in those students. Like I know I graduated from a great high school. I know I really appreciated my experiences there and it put me in a good position moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think when you have that, you're really kind of creating somebody's future. You're at least helping it along. Now, I said something in there about not leaving somebody behind. One thing I did want to ask you about, and this might just have to do with, um, I don't know if it'll be future plans or even um, something that's on your platform because it's so obviously positive, but um, when you look at your school district, I have heard that it has, you know, obviously very good programs, but how do you deal with, you know, students that might need a little bit more help? I, I, I honestly I don't know the proper term but special mm-hmm. needs kids you know whether it's autism or whether it's you know just a, maybe some type of learning disability something like that does the school district how does the school district work with those students yeah so I think that's a really good question and I you know you talk about students getting left behind it, it, that's an area that it'd probably be pretty easy for that to happen if you weren't very on top of right. ensuring that programs were there uh, you know, some schools offer better programs than others, mm. and that's why, at least at the high school level, you can, within reason, essentially choose which school you want to go to. Uh, you don't have to necessarily, you know, file into a particular school if, the, if a program that you have a need for is mm-hmm. maybe stronger than another school. Uh, kind of dependent upon um, your area of need. Yeah. Uh, there really are some great programs out there to cover that. Now, I mean, they can always improve, essentially, but there's... Um, there's a program called Access House, mm-hmm. and that's for you know really high level need. Um, but to make sure that you're still included in that educational experience, yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think that's a really cool program that's a lot of districts don't have. Yeah. Um, and then I mean, obviously, you're going to have different varying levels of need from students that are maybe uh, have some hearing impairment to maybe vision impairment. Mm-hmm. Um, and each school essentially tries to govern that themselves yeah um to work with the needs of the student there uh, which is something that i think is really important i've definitely seen other districts that try to get involved like almost too involved at that level they don't allow the principals to do their job right that's not the job of the school board the yep. job of the school board is to set up essentially um opportunities for good hiring within the schools mm-hmm. um to take care of those uh, different items but uh, you know on my on my tours through the schools I got to actually visit those personally mm-hmm. and you know you have everything from uh, elementary schools that have sensory rooms uh, for students that you know really need that that can become overstimulated all the way up to um, where you are just dealing with maybe somebody that has some hearing impairment to make sure that you're still getting the same information 
Um, I actually had a mom come up and talk to me about this at a meeting that I was at, and she said that her student was a middle schooler and had some hearing impairment. And uh, her concern was that, you know, we stress so much for students that you're supposed to take your core classes, but you're supposed to take some things that are fun as well. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult when you do have something such as a hearing impairment because education happens a little bit slower. You need to make sure that you hear all the information presented, mm -hmm. which sometimes can lead to the thought that, okay, well, I, I don't have time essentially in the rest of the day to sign up for anything cool yeah. because I'm taking these extra classes to make sure that I keep up with everybody. Um, I think an area where the district maybe can do a little bit better job is, uh, is giving not only um, the teachers themselves, but the parents the information that um, just because your son or daughter has some sort of special need doesn't mean that they get to miss out on all the fun stuff that everybody else gets to do as well, like the yeah. elective classes and things like that. Gotcha. So what what I'm hearing when you when you um, when you make those statements is that a lot of what the a lot of what your job is as a as a school board is not only to you know do all the things that we've talked about over the last you know what ninety minutes or so, um, but really it's to you know empower the right people. It's to make sure that the, you know the superintendent feels like he's empowered to make the decision he needs to make or she needs to make. Um, the principals themselves are empowered to make sure that there's teachers who are then empowered as well. Like basically, just kind of lead the school. Is that me or you? Sorry, <laughs> <That's me. laughs> just went off. Sorry. No, no, it's totally fine. It's, it's I've got mine on silent too, and I didn't see it going off, so I just wanted to make sure. Um, but you know, it, it's it's a lot of. Yeah, we have to make this kind of cohesive school district that covers a large number of students in a large area work. <clears throat> but at the same time, like we need to make sure that we're kind of like the, the board of directors. Like once you are sitting there at the top and making the decisions for the district, you also need to make sure that the people that are following through on that are the people that feel empowered to do those things, basically not restrain them to a point to you so much of a point you know to i, I want to make sure that i'm clear on this because yep. uh, I, I do believe that you're correct on the job of empowerment is there but you need to get out of the way yeah and you need to let schools do their things i mean I, the school board shouldn't have any um place in hiring principals you know that should be done by the superintendent yeah you just need to give the superintendent the tools that they need and the freedom to hire the absolute best people out there. And then you need to give the principals the absolute freedom to hire the absolute best people out there Yeah, and put together programs within their school that makes sense for their particular population. Yeah. Um, I have definitely seen, not necessarily in, in our district, but I've seen other districts where they've, where the school board members have tried to get too involved in the day-to-day -day operations. And it just, it doesn't end well. That's not yeah. your place. Yeah. Um, your place is to, write the appropriate policy that gives the schools the freedom to do the things that they need to do to be successful. Yeah, well, and their background, I mean, is one <laughs> to a person in education. Y exactly. So, and so that is a good segue to the question that um, I'm sure you've been asked before, um, and I'm sure about it because we've talked about that, um, but I get to phrase it in a more fun way. So just who do you think you are? Why are you running for this? <laughs> do I think Why I do you think Brian Watts should be on the school board of one of the largest school districts? And the more I say it, the more it freaks me out. I'm glad you're doing it because I know who you are and you're going to do a great job. <laughs> it freaks me out to think like, I hope nobody ever says, you know what you should do? Because I'll be like, no, no, Nikki should do that. 
<laughs> you you want her, trust me. But I mean, I like when you know, and just to kind of give you an example of this, I I mean that was like the number one question on every single form that I filled out when I ran. You know, and I was running for why something. Are you running? Yeah, why are you running? Yeah, and you know, more along the lines of not just why are you running, but why why you, mm-hmm. as a person, like did because I, you know, most politicians in that regard are seen as just egomaniacs, and you have to have a little bit of it because you have to, you know, feel in your heart like you can actually do something. Mm-hmm. But that was pretty much the first question: Why are you running? Why you? Like, so what is it about Brian Watts where you thought like, you know, obviously people have been asking you for quite some time. Yeah. So, you know, it, to just have people asking, I think, reflects a lot on who you are as a person or who you are as a candidate. But as far as when you made the decision, I'm going to go file without question, what was it about you that you thought, like, no, I, I'm the right person for this? And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm sure you went through this as well, mm-hmm. where you would say, well, why are you asking me why I'm running? Because I know. Why don't you? Exactly. Do you not know <laughs> because, who I am? Because I would be, yeah, because I would be really good for the job. Yeah. You know, the question that I think I get more often than why are you running is, uh, well, it's usually followed up with, okay, now I know why you're running. What's next? Yeah. Meaning, what is this a stepping stone to do? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want? What's what's next in your political career? I think the school board is the perfect fit for me because it's nonpartisan. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I. I make decisions based off of what I know is going to be best for the outcome mm-hmm. um, for the students. And I, I put a lot of thought into that. Uh, it is not to toe a line of, you know, what one particular group thinks versus the other. So I think the reason why I wouldn't be good at partisan politics necessarily, at least at this point in my life, is because I'd do a really good job of taking off both parties. <laughs> <laughs> because I wouldn't be enough of one thing for mm-hmm. or, or for the other. Um, but, I mean, you know, really in a nutshell, what it comes down to it is, I think something that makes me a good fit for this particular position is the things that we've talked about in the past. You know, I, I wouldn't let politics or wouldn't let party get in the way. Yeah. I am going to um, make a decision based off of the information that I have that, that makes the most sense, Yeah. F- you know, for our students. Um, I feel like I'm very, very good at not getting tied up into uh, you know, what the popular answer is necessarily. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, I don't want to give the impression that I'm somebody that's hard to work with. Right. I actually feel like the opposite. I feel like I can see both sides of an argument most of the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, lastly, I value what other people think, even if it's not necessarily the same thing that I think. I, mm-hmm. I feel like if you can come to me with the same information and you just happen to come to a different conclusion, that does not make your conclusion any less valuable than mine doesn't mean i'm gonna, not going to fight for mine right um but uh you have to understand the other side to actually come to a conclusion yourself mm-hmm. and i feel like i do a very good job of embodying all that and making sound decisions um i guess i said that that was lastly this is really lastly um you know i've been in a number of positions in the past where um, i had to lead and that's not to be confused with leadership yeah. Leadership is someone that is in charge. Mm-hmm. Someone that leads is a person that will bring you to where you wouldn't get your own on your own. Yeah, uh, and I feel like I have the ability to do that while encompassing everything else I just talked about. Gotcha. Um, so I don't know. That's my little commercial for myself. I guess. <laughs> but, um, and those are really, you know, pretty forty thousand foot <coughs> view. Mm-hmm. Um, descriptions, course. but I mean, I feel like that. I mean, we can get into the minutia, but I, I don't know that that's what you're asking. I mean, I really do feel like I approach problems from 
a very high perspective. And yeah. if we do this, what are all the things that essentially could domino effect down the line? Right. And are those positive or are those negative? Yeah. Well, I think that at least for me, you know, when you get into into specifics, when you get into those, you know, those those very, um, you know, the questions that are getting down really into the small details of things, mm-hmm. I think that's when it becomes really kind of. I don't want to say it doesn't work because obviously people are going to know where you want to stand on issues, but on on a forum like this, my my goal was I want to you know get somebody on. I want to get you on here because. You know, you're running for elected office, which one I think is just good in general. Like, I think people should try to do that as often as they possibly can, not because you're trying to like, you know, you're looking at it like I'm going to win, I'm going to do this, but you can at least understand the process. It's a very you, character building experience. Yeah, it's <laughs> and you have to. I mean, the thing I found was, and I actually thought this was probably the biggest positive for me, was I I kind of got to get some stuff off my chest about how I felt about things. And it wasn't like I was trying to get it off my chest to make people feel bad because I think that's how it's kind of interpreted now because we're in a very, um, uh, a, a very, um, what's the word for it? Polarizing. Polarizing. Thank you. We're in a very polarizing environment. But to me, it, it was very nice to be able to say like, you know, rather than just spouting something off at a dinner party and trying to, you know, get into a, a debate with somebody about a subject that I wasn't really passionate about, mm-hmm. I'm actually going to go out, I'm going to do the research I should have done, you know, five, ten years ago, and really make sure that when I put down this is how I feel, that's how I feel. I don't have to lie about it. I don't have to, you know, make it sound good. I was running for a third party, so I didn't have to, like, toe the line for anybody. Mm-hmm. They were just happy I ran, um, <laughs> honestly. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, like, we had a primary for ours, too, and that was pretty cool, I think, for the Libertarian Party, because they could say, like... Which I believe you won. I did win. I did win that. I have no idea how I won that. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I, that, was, that was actually a cool experience. My dad, I think, was, like, cheering, and then when I lost the general election to the guy who just freaking dominated everybody, yeah. it was just like, ah, I'm going to go to bed. But um, There was a lot of money there. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and not on my side. But, uh, but uh, no, I mean, honestly, it was... It, it was a fun experience, but that was the thing that I really found was, was a positive, and I hope you are finding this too, is that when people come up and they ask you questions, you know, yeah, if you want to get into the specifics, the things that are completely detail-oriented, really, you know, if you say something like, I'm trying to think of something that's not completely polarizing or that I've brought up too much in the past, you're like, you know, are you pro, are you, um, are you uh, in favor of prohibition or not? Like a lot Pro- of times, prohibition. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when I did you run? <laughs> no, I know. That's why I was, I was I ran trying. Ran in nineteen twenty. Like I said, I'm not trying to like bring up anything that would get somebody like, ah, this is bullshit. Yeah. But it's just the idea, like we, you know, somebody who was you know for prohibition. It's like you could have somebody that was like, yeah, I'm for it, but I understand the other side. Like I'm for doing that because I see you know, you know, people are dying early. They're doing this. They're doing this. They're doing this. They're doing this. And you go through those sides. And somebody could say, but you're taking away personal freedom. And you're like, yeah, I d- agree. So I don't want to, like, ask you, hey, do you really want to do this? Because, one, it's a school, so mm-hmm. the better off, like, do you want to help the kids? I do want to help the kids. Yeah. Like, you don't have anybody on the other side of that. I'm not um, educated enough on Blue Valley's policies to really know exactly what's going on. So I would be an, a very naive person asking a question that I didn't know much about. But the biggest thing is, like, especially in this environment, it's about – listening to the individual, making sure that you're listening to somebody who can actually have a conversation, who seems to have a good head on their shoulders, knows some of the background and definitely enough where if they wanted to contact you, they could ask those questions. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's kind of my point is like I, 
I wanted to have you on because I basically wanted people to hear the person, not necessarily like here's the talking I, points. Yeah, yeah, here's what I find on section one hundred two point one dash A. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you get that because I'm 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 campaigning right now, so I'm yep, knocking, exactly. I'm knocking on a lot of doors, and I mean, I I some babies. <laughs> I understand that I have a very limited amount of time because yeah. I'm probably interrupting you if I'm knocking on your door. You've either got a fork in your hand or something. You yeah. know, I, probably I, more likely to not vote on you. Well, vote for uh, yeah, you. and I mean, I get it. I, but I mean, I will tell you very briefly. You know, essentially, a couple things that I stand for. And if you want to ask more, that's great. I mean, yep. obviously, this is that's some of the fast. That's some of the fantastic things about this is it's a more longer form. Yeah, and you get a little bit more. It, uh, I mean, granted, there's not a whole lot of information out there about the candidates that are running for the school board in the primary election. Mm-hmm. You would probably – the only thing you're going to find is probably on Facebook page and right. things like that. There's there's just not a, a ton of knowledge – or there's not a ton of information out there about it. I mean, it's not a yeah. major, major election yeah. uh, that's that takes the whole country. So uh, that's why I think these types of uh, formats are so great because you do get a little bit more of my personality and what you're <laughs> – <laughs> sorry about that. But no, <laughs> no, you get a little bit more of what you're going to be dealing with. You know, yeah. um, you get to kind of know a bit more about who I am more so than just I feel this and I feel this and, you know, my talking points and I have to have all my questions ahead of time so that I'm not going to answer anything that's going to make me look bad. Exactly. You know, I, that's why I appreciate the opportunity to come on and just spend Absolutely. the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you're not running against like 23 or 24 other people like I just saw in the in the Democrat debates. Yeah, that was that was interesting. What the, are there other 18? I think something like that. Well, I don't know what they where they were now, but I know that they were actually over the allotted like spaces. So oh, they had right? ten individuals per night. It was two nights, and I think they had like 23 or 24 candidates. Yeah. So three didn't qualify for a 20 person panel. Which wow. is terrifying. But, I mean, you think about that, too, though. I mean, obviously, you talked about being a polarized nation. I mean, yeah. we really are right now because, essentially, the leadership in Washington, most people either love or absolutely hate. There's really not anybody in the middle. It seems no. Like right now, it's like, eh, you know, things are fine. I don't really care one way or the other. I have the exact opposite, uh, you know, issue, essentially, that I'm running against. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not, like, this huge... Disparity. I, I think most people, people are like, <laughs> I, I moved to Blue Valley for the schools, and they are living up to that, yeah, uh, to the hype essentially. And I'm sending my kids there, and yeah, things are not always going to go well, and they're going to be. There's a teacher here and there that I don't like, or there's going to be kids that my kid goes to school with that maybe they don't get along, right? But as a whole, you know, the district is run well, yeah. So ultimately, my biggest challenge, like I said at the very beginning, is getting people inspired. I, yeah, it just people need to go out and. And actually vote. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's more difficult, I think, in a nonpartisan race mm-hmm. because, you know, it, typically, what do you do if you don't necessarily know a whole lot about the candidate as you vote for party? I just realized how terrifying that is. You're not going to get that on my ballot. Yeah. My ballot has four people and mm-hmm. their names are listed and that's it. Yeah. There's nothing else there for you. You have to go in somewhat informed. Yeah. And hopefully you're not basing it off of just, well, I happened to see this sign as I was walking in, you yeah. know, and so I guess that sounds good enough. Mm-hmm. Because there really are some I- there are some differences in philosophy yeah. um, between the four of us that are running. Um, there are some similarities. Uh, there's another individual on the ballot that we think pretty similar, and then there are two individuals on the ballot that we don't think. Probably the fact that our kids go to the school mm-hmm. is the end of our um, – the things that are the same. Yeah. Couldn't think of the word. Are they more, what's the, what's the biggest difference? And d- you don't, ha- I mean, don't name them, but. 
Oh, oh the pay- okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, really, the biggest difference is probably the the biggest difference amongst everything is I I'm I'm the youngest person running. And yeah. I don't consider myself young. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, there's that argument out there as to whether or not someone uh, someone on the ballot is more experienced than I am. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think I have a very diverse background, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I've been involved since I was allowed to be. Yeah. Well, and if it me- if it means anything to you, I don't consider you young either. <laughs> yeah, thanks. We can go back to the conversation about how your much older brother is still younger than I am. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and I, I, I consider, or that you're still older than he is. I, I mean, I consider myself very young at heart, but I mean, I, I definitely don't consider myself inexperienced. Right. Um, and there's just there's a difference of opinion on you know the things that we should pay for and how we should pay for it, mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting because oh, so it is very similar to. Well, <laughs> it would be, but you so you know there's there's a traditional mindset of, um, you know, being uh, of essentially taxing people is probably more of a liberal stance mm-hmm. instead of a conservative stance, but it's somewhat the opposite here, um, which I, I you know I haven't necessarily quite wrapped my head around, mm-hmm. but I, I have I feel like if my opponents are elected, the the taxpayer will feel it in their yeah. property tax; it's going to go up significantly. Um, we have a significant budget, um, and that doesn't mean that we won't have needs from time to time that we'll have to raise money for. Yeah. But you can raise money in a way to where you are getting the things accomplished that you need to get accomplished. And we just need to plan yeah. for, you know, we will do this many projects in this year's, and we'll do this many projects in this year's, yeah. in, in, the, in the coming years, and uh, make sure that we can pay for it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I mean, that's probably yeah. the biggest difference is that, and, and this is just pretty much through hearsay that I've heard people say, well, I'm more experienced than him because I'm older than him. Well, well that, that yeah. doesn't really add up to anything, obviously. Right. Um, and then, you know, there's just the spending issue. Yeah. Which th- hmm. you will not like if you live in the district. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, it's never, you are never in a power position when you say that you're going to raise taxes. Like you might win. But it's a very difficult thing to be able to say, especially, I mean, you know, the area that you're at, that you that you live and, you know, where your kids go to school, your school district, your property. I mean, Overland Park is not necessarily known as the cheapest place to live in the world. It's not. And, and I do want students to have the absolute best that they can have. Right. But we just need to be smart about how we obtain it. Right. Exactly. And, you know, like, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about in the very beginning. It's like you don't need to, you know knock down a, a perfectly good building that the teachers and principal don't want to be knocked down yeah. to build a brand new one because you can put it on your rap sheet that increase you know if that's the case then that's going to increase taxes as you said and that's i mean school district is always without question and i believe without fail in this country it's always the most like it's the largest percentage of a property tax bill i mean ours is, is significantly is. higher than anything else so when you think about that and you think about the fact that you know your, your district does tend to have higher priced properties than most other places in the city outside of it's still the Kansas side, but still. <laughs> yeah. but I mean outside of that, you're already sitting there in a in you know in a we'll just say uh, financially difficult place to live when you look at Kansas City overall. Yeah. Um, that being said, I completely understand that you know kids want the education uh, the. That, or the parents want the best education for their kids, and I'm sure the kids want the best education for themselves in the long term as well. Um, but that's got to be an interesting argument, and this isn't me trying to pit anybody against it, another person, but um, that has to be a very interesting argument for 
it seems like the rising trend of individuals who are married or partnered that are choosing not to have children has to be an interesting argument for somebody who is a little bit older and doesn't you know their kids are already through now and i or they didn't have kids just in general to continue to raise property taxes in an area that's already pretty high Mm -hmm. so that's that's got to be an interesting talking point for them to say no but it's worth it and it's like yes it's worth it for the children but i mean probably nobody wants to hear it or say it but you have to balance it out and it kind of sounds like you're taking a balanced approach like we're good let's refurbish if we need to let's fix the things that are broken and build when we have to but let's actually kind of pull this together and make a good financially sound decision so that most of the money and the biggest thing is so that most of the money then goes to the children's education not necessarily to them having a a prettier working environment and the thing is is if you i mean if you do tour the schools you'll find that for the most part, I mean, we have fantastic facilities. Yeah, um, the schools do not look old and decrepit, and mm. I mean, there are some that need some upgrading. That's yeah. always going to happen, but you just need to be smart about how you're doing it. Yeah, um, and I, I don't want to sound like somebody that's, you know, really tight with money either, because if money needs to be spent, money needs to be spent. Right. Uh, the district historically has done a very good job financially with. Um, with maintaining reserves for when it's needed, yeah, you know, we're not going to be caught, you know, with a with a need where we can't necessarily pay for it. Probably, yeah. uh, that's a good place to be in. Uh, reserves are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I sit on our HOA board as well, and we it's have reserves running, for on, running the whole place, man. <laughs> man, we have um, we have reserves for a reason. You know, and this is a much smaller scale, obviously. But say we have a pool pump go out that has to shut the whole entire pool down. There's there's just this trickle effect that goes out, you know, pulls down, it's in the middle of summer, um, makes for mad residents, makes for um, home values to depreciate. If somebody's in the area looking to purchase a home and the, you know, the pool doesn't work, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not going to buy here. You know, there's this huge trickle effect. So reserves, you know, have to be there essentially. Yeah. Uh, and it's no different essentially running a school district. Right. Um, but anyway, you know, budget. Yeah. I'm sure school budget is not necessarily something that's gonna. I, I can hear like radios turning off right <laughs> now. But I, I mean, it's it's, it's important. <laughs> it's something you need to be mindful of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, I I just want to make sure. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. Um, it's really interesting because if you look at the data on the demographics of the age of the voter, essentially in an election like this. Mm-hmm. It has to be the person that is concerned about their property tax because it's traditionally people that don't have kids in the school anymore. Yeah. You know, it's retirees that tend to vote. Yep. Um, And I I think that's really interesting that the people you can actually get to leave their home to go to a polling place and vote are the people that are probably affected by the outcome the least. Yeah. Yeah, the – in Raymore, it was – always basically impossible to do anything to increase the tax on for the school district um and not because it's a you know it's a tax necessarily because actually a lot of people were getting behind it Mm -hmm. um and we had several that failed and the reason they failed every single time was people didn't show up to those elections Mm -hmm. but the ones who did as you just said were uh, we have a uh probably won't name them but there's a um (laughs) It's a, it's a, it's a, it's actually a very neat place, but it's a kind of a retirement, um, 
facility. It has a, a nursing home within the complex, but it was basically just a, a city within a city of people who were 55 and older. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of like individual houses that they could own. Um, so people would move in there and that was just all for 55 and older. And then in the center of it, there was a hospital, there was a nursing home, there were several other facilities. So it was actually a really neat little area, but they were the voting block that always showed up. Mm-hmm. And every single time uh, they'd try to pa- pass a school measure, they were like, nope, not increasing my taxes, which always made my dad really furious. It's like, how did you get educated? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, education has such a long-lasting effect. Yeah. If you think about, you know, the, the changes you make today yeah. affect for, you know, generations down the road. Yeah. Um, well, you're raising, and I apologize, my headphones are driving me a little nuts right now. That's right. Um, no, I no haven't done haven't done the podcast with a beard yet. So <laughs> this is radio; no one could see it. Exactly. <laughs> Glad I pointed it out. Then. <laughs> but um, yeah, just like they you can probably point hear out the fact mic. that you're wearing your pajamas right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep, just doing it. No pants. That's okay. <laughs> um, no, the but that it is interesting to me to to kind of look at that and say, and again, it's 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 always a balance. It's a balancing act with you know how to teach the student, what to teach the student. It's also a balancing act of how to finance it. And just like anything else, like I would love to have the school have an unlimited fund. Absolutely. And everybody wants that because they get everything. Everything's perfect. Everything's right. But part of being on, you know, the board that you're looking to, to, uh, to take the seat for is you have got to be the person that can also slow that down mm-hmm. when things are getting out of hand. I mean, if you fix a problem that could be fixed for $100,000, but you build a new building for $5 million, it's and I don't, I don't know what it costs, but it's if you build a little higher than that, I assume so. Yeah, with everything they have to put in, but you know, let's say you know you, but using that example to not uh, get too ridiculous. But if you're talking about a hundred thousand dollar fix or a five million dollar building, mm-hmm. like why would you do the five million dollar building? Because it's prettier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so. I mean, you have to take that into consideration in some ways. You know, what, yeah. What's the what's the trickle effect essentially? Yeah. Or uh, where else do we need money at this time? Right. Um, I mean, educational um, budgets are, you know, obviously they've been on people's minds for the last handful of years because, I mean, it all started in Topeka, essentially, and there Mm -hmm. were uh, such shortfalls, essentially. I mean, we're still kind of trying to figure out how to live in that world. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I think it takes somebody that can, can basically say, you know, if I spend this dollar today this way, yeah. What's the long-term effect? Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, once again, I told you people are going to get tired of hearing about this. Mm-hmm. Do, I have en- do I have enough information to make this decision? Or, you know, will this actually improve the educational experience? Yeah. Well, I think what you saw from um, from leadership in Topeka for a number of years was kind of what we just got through talking about with regard to the budget. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a situation that could have been, we'll say, dealt with better but the biggest thing that i think you learn is and again this is this is where you know and i'm i don't want to try to like dive into politics because i want to focus on your thing but this is where <laughs> i think the, the your thing is a little thing you're running you my little, <laughs> my little, my little <laughs> politics exactly no but i mean but i do think that that's where you know bipartisan politics actually really helps is you know um when you have a party that is pushing for everything and everything and everything and everything, mm-hmm. you have to have the other side say, whoa, 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 you, you, ha- you have to look at the budget. You have to look at that because we're going way over and this is not going to work. So you have to have that progressive push, but you also have to have that kind of conservative bring it back in line, bring it back to reality, bring it back to you know intelligence. Mm-hmm. 
right now, I don't think we have that in any way, shape, or form. But, um, and that was an opinion by me, not Brian. He's not saying anything like that. But, um, but no, I mean, but I think what we saw in Topeka, to finish off the point and the lengthiest statement in mankind, is you saw what happens when one side isn't a like when one side isn't able to have a voice mm-hmm. and that you know basically it was like cut 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 and there wasn't a side that said whoa we still have to pay for this somehow mm-hmm. we still have to figure this out we can keep cutting as long as we figure out how to pay and so when it cut too much and then the guy got out mm-hmm. but then you you know then that side lost the governorship and i think a lot of that had to do with the education side i mean look who they look who your side elected well, I mean, I mean, your side of the state line. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was trying to figure out what you meant by that. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. It's something we're still talking about. Yeah. It's something that um, I listen to the deep background podcast. You're going to think I do nothing but listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. essentially. <laughs> and with the length of this one, that's going to be the only thing I'm going to be able to do for the next week. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, I mean, they're still talking essentially about policies that came out of Topeka, you know, in the past administration yeah. that has to do with, with school funding mm-hmm. because it, it really did have a, uh, a lasting effect. And I mean, you know, essentially, I understand that that would be something I would inherit. Yeah. And you have to live in that world. Um, you know what? It's, it's part of the job. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, that is the thing about your background that has to be pretty appealing when you're talking to people it's like okay well so what are you gonna what's your what's your profession it's like yeah, i deal with I money in, all day long I, I deal with money all day long yeah. <laughs> and you know what you just add some zeros that's all that matters exactly yeah I, it, it kind of it's all the same it's all relative i wish i could tell my bank that just add some zeros that's all that matters just add some zeros all that matters, yeah. <laughs> but i mean you know you look at that and i mean I, yeah i have the financial background but i mean i some of the boards that i've sat on are completely the opposite mm-hmm. and there are things that you're gonna have to deal with i mean like because i've done some work with arts kc mm-hmm. um and i mean that's essentially trying to give money to people that need it that can ultimately um provide greater good for the city as a whole yeah. you know how can the arts affect people we're willing to support that but it has to support the community as a whole it's not going to be something that's going to support just one person yeah. um and i mean that's uh, that's basically how i have grown up as i've always been uh involved in that way yeah you know I, I see what you're doing and i think this makes an awful lot of sense and i think it's fantastic however what you're wanting to do impacts a very small percentage of people whereas this organization over here wants to do the same thing but it's going to have an impact of the entire city i mean you yep. kind of have to go that way yeah well um, then in sticking up for the and i assume on the opposite end of that too you're sticking up for the small side when it's absolutely when it's necessary when it's yeah when it's yeah. needed you i mean you have to you have to t- every situation is yeah. It's just that. It's situational. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what your job is, too. It I is. I mean, again, going back to it, that's what you do every day. Yeah. You know, if you think that a financial advisor is only doing numbers, then you're not with the right person. Yeah. And that, I think, has a lot to do with it as well because you also, I mean, you've told us. You're our financial advisor. I mean, you've told us. It's like, here's where I think you should be funding it. Now, sometimes I'm like, I used to be a financial advisor. I know what I'm doing. But the fact of the matter is, like, you have to have a plan. You have to know what you're doing going forward. Mm-hmm. And that isn't just about your money that's about everything else that i mean basically uh, with especially with your school district it's everything that that money pays for and what those dollars can go to and whether that's a building a program or you know trying to stick up for a small group because they need it i've mm-hmm. got to assume that's i mean that that's a process that's a plan that's what you do all day so I, well and i mean when it really comes down to it i mean it, you know if i have the opportunity to serve i mean i'm obviously one of seven votes yeah 
And diversity amongst opinion is not a bad thing. Usually that leads to the best outcome because yep. every avenue can be explored. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I'm one vote. Yep. And it, this election's kind of interesting because, you know, I talked about the fact that I'm in District 3, which is the southernmost portion of the district. And yep. actually, you can go on to um, the Kansas City School Board website and you can actually look to see what district you're in. Yep. But that only matters during this primary election. Yeah. Because the people that are in my district are the only ones that can vote for myself mm. in this election. Once we go to the general election, it's essentially everyone's at large. Yeah. So the entire district votes for everyone that's running. Gotcha. And that's the mantra of the board. You, Yeah, you technically hold the seat, but you represent the district as a whole. Yeah. Um, Your constituency is the district. My constituency yeah. is the district. And yeah. I, I think that's important in the sense that it's the same for everyone else on the board now we do have an at-large member yeah but his job is really not any different except for if it were to come to a primary election mm-hmm. which he does not have yeah um you know our job is to represent the entire board and you're going to get everybody's voice representing everyone essentially yeah. um but yeah i'm at the end of the day i'm i'm one of seven votes yeah and i need to find out a way to work with people that are going to have differing opinions than mine um for the betterment of the district. Yeah. Well, and hopefully don't do it the way that it's being done in other areas, too. Don't yell yeah. and scream at people. Nah. Well, no, I mean, you know, I've done that so much during this podcast, you can tell that that's part of my personality. I know. I'm just angry about but everything. You know, <laughs> I'm, prob- I'm probably just over here thinking the whole time, you know, yeah. and that's, uh, that's how it comes out, you know. But yeah. I, uh, you've known me for, what, 10 years? Too long. Some, too long. <laughs> 12 years, something Yeah, no, like I that. think it's been 10. I mean, yeah. uh, you've heard Ten. me raise my voice. Raise my voice, probably. What? Never. I feel like there was one time you got mad, and I, I was probably just you. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> <laughs> now it, it just doesn't. It doesn't happen because that's not how you get. That's not how you solve any issue. Yeah. You know, um, I. When you're setting an example for, I mean, wh- whether they're really paying attention to you guys or not, which would be amazing if every student knew exactly what every board member was thinking on every issue. Yeah, but the board meetings are pretty well attended by families. So yeah. No, and that's right. what I mean. Like, But what I was getting to was, but all seven of you, whether you're one of seven or you're looking at yourselves as a group, I mean, at the end of the day, it's for the kids. And Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's pu- that's pushing the whole thing. It's like, this isn't just about my kids. This isn't about my house. This isn't about, you know, mm-hmm. this district. It's, uh, it's about the entire district, yes. But your job, principal's job, superintendents, teachers, everyone's job in this, including parents and those within the live in your district that don't have children or their children have graduated at this point everyone's job should be focused on especially yours about making sure that that experience for that child or those children is as good as it can possibly be yeah and again like you said earlier because you're training the next generation mm-hmm. so well and it truly is that service above self yeah mentality it has to be yeah you know you can't come in with your own special interest and no uh, you know you you have to do what's best for the population of students as a whole. Yeah, and I mean it, you know it, this is kind of hard because obviously the parents are the ones that are are voting and I want to get elected. Yeah, but I mean <laughs> it, it's about the students. You know, it's not even necessarily about um, you know the the squeaky wheel parent necessarily. I mean yeah. it's it's about what's best for the kids. Awesome. So if people want to look you up, find out more information, <laughs> see what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> is it hotornot.com? Is that where you're, you're focusing? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely on the not part. <laughs> no, where, do, where no, can they so find you? Yeah, so I have a website, which is Watts for Blue Valley. That's W-A-T-T-S, the number four, 
BV, I said Blue Valley, so Watts4BV.com. Um, I do have a Facebook page. Love everybody to go out there and like and share, um, which is Brian Watts for uh, Blue Valley School Board. Um, and, you know, um, I believe coming very soon, the um, City of Overland Park Chamber of Commerce is going to have a forum where I've answer, where they're going to actually do an interview. Um, mm -hmm. I believe that's next week. Uh, so you can go in and watch that interview. Um, I'm actually going to take this podcast and upload it to the Facebook page, if as long as you yep. allow oh, me. Oh, 100%. Yep. And push that out uh, to people so that you have an opportunity to listen. Um, and then, you know, hey, if you live in my district, I'll, myself or one of uh, my, I think, 42 team members will probably be knocking on your door at some point just to say, hey, 42? go out and vote. Nice. I could stand to have more. Yeah, but, I'm uh, sure. You know, it's it's a big district, and I'm doing the best that I can. But yeah. uh, I'm sure that my opponents are out there trying to do the best they can as well. So. Of course. And primary election, August 8th. August 6th. August 6th. Yep. Um, August 8th is my actually, mom's birthday. You can go on to the Johnson County uh, Election Office website on the – I believe it's the 17th. I think I said the 15th before. Okay. And you can uh, sign in and have a ballot sent to your mailbox where you can literally pull it out of the mailbox, vote, stick it right back in the mailbox if you want, or you can start early voting two weeks before at your polling place. Nice. Um, so, yeah, get out and vote. Do your civic duty. And vote for Brian Watts. I'll I would love everyone's support. <laughs> everyone. Vote for him. Thanks, man, for coming on. Right. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.